Hey guys, this is it. This is finally happening. Episode 80, all of the doctors of the Book Guys show. We've got musician Jeff Smith and Dalek operators, Rob Green and Mark Townsend. It's going to be fantastic. Hey, we're going to start off the show by, I'm going to ask you guys, when was the first time that you watched Doctor Who? Padre, what was the first time you, you saw the show? I, I actually could give you a, a month. It was a uh, September of 1989. I was in high school and just uh, geeking out with some friends, and they introduced me to Doctor Who. Alert! Alert! Unauthorized discussion detected! Why are you humans discussing the anti-Dalek propaganda television program? Doctor Who! Answer! Answer! It's the 50th anniversary of the show. There's a television show on Earth about the Doctor. It's the 50th anniversary. where did you guys come from? This no. is the 50th anniversary of the Daleks! It is of the Daleks! Do not ignore the Daleks! All humans who do not recognize the supreme authority of the Dalek race will be exterminated! Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. And we're back. As, as I'm still alive, as you can see. <laughs> Joined now by uh, Jeff Smith. How you doing, Jeff? Hey, good to see you guys. Great. How are you? Very well, sir. Uh, Jeff Smith, uh, for folks who don't know, the uh, nice gentleman who made the theme song for the Book Guys show. And various other podcasts that we do, uh, and also in in studio here, Mark Townsend. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Dalek operator, yep. operator of Dreadnought. Yep, I look after Dreadnought. Yeah, damn near blew my hat off. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob Green, Dalek Oric. How are you? And Dalek Oric's a supreme Dalek. Is he? Is that yeah, what he is? Yeah, yeah, he he's a supreme Dalek. You he's know, a classic. Uh, likes to be in charge. Likes to tell other Daleks and people what to do. I'm sorry about know. the microphone in your face. Uh, that's it's okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll live with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm we'll... used to it being inside the Daleks so often. Yeah. It's, that's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Dreadnought's <laughs> a little bit slow, so, you know, he, he looks after and follows the commands of uh, Auric. Yeah, he's, he's definitely the muscle. You know, I'm, I'm, right. a, I'm the brains. He's the brawn type of, type of deal. Yeah. So, guys, we're here in the episode All of the Doctors, because, of course, it's 50th anniversary. Uh, of the Daleks. Of the Daleks, apparently. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, it was ni- 1963. Uh, Ron Grainer composed the theme music for what uh, later would become Doctor Who. Uh, Jeff, have you got your guitar with you? I have a guitar here. How, how about that? Who now, would have now, thought? The, the cool thing we're going to talk about here is how, what Der- Derby Derbyshire, Delia Derbyshire. Delia. Delia, Delia Derbyshire. Okay, let's yeah. try that again. Delia De- Derbyshire. She's got a weird name. <laughs> that lady who took Ron Grainer's music and... and, and did something phenomenal with it. She she was one of the first. I think maybe the first electronic music used in television. Uh, 
it was definitely one of the one of the first times and you, you have to remember it was all analog like there were no synthesizers or anything like that right she had just miles and miles of you know tape recordings yeah. that she was you know like physically moving about and changing the speed of and so this, this was and even cutting. like before synthesizers oh, so oh, there's no before. keyboards way, way or anything before. she had to actually cut it together yeah but but jeff can we maybe take a listen of what, what the theme would have sounded like just played normally as ron grainer wrote it if Ron Grainer wrote it and he was a uh, folkster with his guitar on a podcast, it could have been uh, like this. Now it sounded like a Mexican song. Arriba! Doctor Who. Doctor Who theme song. Brilliant. Something like that. That's really <laughs> awesome. And now for the really yeah. good listeners, yeah. you know the lyrics for the Doctor Who theme song. You know, and, and, and by itself, the composition is phenomenal. As you can see, someone like Jeff Smith can just take a guitar and, and, and play something wonderful like that. But, but, Delia Derbyshire, I have to read her name because I can't pronounce it. So, so De Delia. Delia Derbyshire. Delia Derbyshire. Even though it's an E, the British pronounce that as, as A. So it's Delia Derbyshire. Yeah. So, so Delia, what she did with it uh, was so phenomenal that when Ron Grainer first heard it, he literally just said, I wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> and this, that was 1963. Uh, here it is, the first theme from Doctor Who. You have to bounce to it. <laughs> Good. And I mean, they came up with some uh, really cool visual effects too for the intro. I mean, for the time, don't get me wrong, but uh, brilliant. 1963, and we get the first Doctor. Now, uh, let's start off by saying, okay, we'll go through the Doctors, but when did you first start watching Doctor Who? Oh, I was, I was quite young, and you know, I'd crawl into the basement and uh, get to actually turn a TV on for a change. Uh, it was still black and white for me back then. Um, Tom Baker, John Pertwee were my two favorite doctors, um, and that's what I grew up with. And Rob? Oh, I, I definitely started with, uh, with John Pertwee. I, I was still living in England at the time, um, so he was definitely my, my very, very first doctor. Uh, when we emigrated, my parents made absolutely sure we watched every single British TV show that right. was ever on. So Doctor Who was you know, just <laughs> every, every Thursday and Saturday on you know, TV it, Ontario. When you go to the theme song, I don't think there's any other piece of music that has made children run so fast. <laughs> you, know, you hear that and you just beeline it for the TV. This is true. This is See, true. When I, when I was a child, my parents weren't wealthy. So the, you know, grandma was the babysitter. So at a, some obscene time in the morning, like four in the morning, my parents would drop me off at grandma's. And back then, for all you kids watching, back then TV wasn't 24 hours. So the only thing that was on other than like test patterns was PBS. So I started watching all the Pertwee reruns and, the, and the, yeah. then later the, the Tom Baker, uh, you know, and Peter Davison. Blew my mind when they regenerated. Uh, Padre, what about you? When did you start? It was, uh, it was uh, back in high school. It was a science fiction club and... Um, a man by the name of Peter Canavesi, who uh, grew up to be a lifelong friend, is actually still teaching at that same school. He said, uh, so, uh, did you like the last episode of Doctor Who? And I said, what? What are you talking about? And so he showed me a couple, I, I have to admit, the first couple of episodes, especially when I saw the title screen, I was like, what is this? What are you making me watch? <laughs> it, it took about three episodes before I started realizing, 
Oh, wow. Okay, so this is what it's like when you write a series to actually take advantage of a backstory. It was, it was really the first uh, sci-fi soap opera I had ever seen, and I, I was hooked. Mr. Jeff Smith, the musician yes. himself. How about you? When did you start watching? I was... It was probably 79, maybe 80, something like that. I was living in Oklahoma, uh, and, you know, the PBS, our national treasure, um, uh, as most American TV stations do, aired uh, the Tom Baker stuff first. So, yeah, definitely got hooked on Tom Baker. Um, I had a uh, – we didn't have VCRs in, in the early 80s, and my family didn't. So what I did was I took cassettes and um, – we had a we had a half an hour episode every day, which was cool because I got to you know you know as a kid you don't lose track of the, ne- the thing you saw before. So I would actually put the tape recorder up by the TV and I would press record and then I would narrate the show. I actually have these tapes somewhere in my parents' house of me going. Now Leela is pulling out her knife and she's stabbing the Cyberman. And uh, and then I would read the titles. <laughs> I would do Doctor Who, Tom Baker. Uh, Sarah Jane Smith, Elizabeth Sladen, and uh, of course, not like that, not like the cool voice, the awesome voice that I have now. And so I have amassed basically. all of the, from probably, let's see, Terror of the Zygons on, all of the Tom Bakers on audio recording, somewhere on a cassette tape. Occasionally you'll hear my little baby brother in the background screaming, you know, and then I would say, stop, we're, we're, we're making a radio show. Uh, and then I would take them with me on family outings uh, or, or family vacations and uh, sit in the back of the, the truck if, or van and, and listen to myself narrate all the fabulous Tom Baker shows. And you then, might, of course, it wasn't. You might have to get those tapes uh, to Nick Briggs to see if he can maybe release them on Big Finish. That would be cool. I, I was on a, a, another Doctor Who uh, a podcast a long time ago, and people said, you're not allowed to come back on our show until you bring those with you. So I have to find them, my squeaky little eight-year-old voice. Yeah, sell them on say, iTunes. I'll buy one. One of those going to be on iTunes? <laughs> hey, Professor yeah. Allen, love the scarf. Love this. You must be sweating to death in the, with that. <clears throat> the scarf isn't going to last very long. I'm guessing um, your, I, your first I, doctor I, was Tom Baker? Just a guess. I tried to find a fez, but um, actually, when I lived, I, I lived in Thailand in the mid-70s, and it was there that I first ran across Doctor Who, but it was in the paperback novels and read maybe five or ten of them. I don't know if they came from the school library. It was an English-speaking international school uh, or where, where we got them from. Uh, but when I returned, you know, the Tom Baker uh, serials were on PBS and I saw some of those uh, really intrigued. Um, and then it was really when uh, we moved here to Central Ohio and I got back into them via the VHSs that were at the local public library and just uh, devoured them all, and then you know, with the return with Eccleston, etc., that's when I went all in on my Doctor Who fandom. Yeah, the, the classic series was always hard to find on any kind of media back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to find on media now. I mean, uh, if you do find one at the local HMV, if, the, if, if it's still open, first of all, uh, it's you know, $90 for one episode of classic, and you, you know, it's not affordable. They really got to work on that, and but they keep taking them off Netflix, which becomes yeah. really, really annoying when you're trying to. Yeah, you're and Canada, there's it. like four episodes of the classic series on Netflix now. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Wait, 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 wait. Canada and Net- Netflix Canada keeps taking Doctor Who serials down? Yes, yes, they do. Yeah, we've. Okay, so I know where they end up because we keep getting more. <laughs> <laughs> they take it from you and they give it to us. I'm fine with that. That's great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> hey, there's now there's a market for my audio recordings. 
There, exactly. there we go. Exactly. If you could describe it to me, I'll pay for that. <laughs> well, we're, we're lucky now. There, there are many different ways to, to, to consume Doctor Who, like Netflix. There's uh, BBC's iPlayer. So a lot of people are rediscovering the classic series. The, the DVDs are more available. If you can find a DVD store that's still open, not Blockbuster. <clears throat> but uh, there, a lot of people are getting back into the classic series, or at least specific episodes. You know, I know even more recent Who fans, Whovians, uh, are getting into episodes like you know the City of Death and uh, a lot of the, the classic ones, especially the Regeneration episodes. Uh, but it all started with William Hartnell, of course, the first Doctor, who uh, right right off the bat was an alien. I mean, he was from outer space, but at the time he wasn't a Time Lord yet. They hadn't figured out the whole backstory. He's kind of a grumpy old fart too. Our typical grandpa <laughs> back then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not a big and, difference. And not necessarily a good guy either, which was very interesting. No, he made a lot of. Uh, yeah, morally bankrupt choices. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was he was kind of out for himself and his own curiosity, <laughs> and as long as he was happy, then that was fine. Um, yeah, not a lot. Not, well, I not mean, I like actually causing concern, death to many people just to yeah, serve his purposes. Just to serve his purposes, yeah. It was, <laughs> but you know, in, in that story, they still came in with the idea that he did steal the TARDIS. He was a criminal. That's true. Mm. So I mean, his morals were more of the opposite of what they are today. Yeah, for for. From uh, for, from our, the honorable character he kind of evolved into later on. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. If he had just stolen the TARDIS and you know ran away from Gallifrey, which they later invented. <laughs> yeah. It's like they filled in a lot of the blanks as the years kind of went on, which was which was great. Have, have uh, you got any of you guys on Skype there? Have you uh, watched any of the classic episodes? Are you into the First Doctor? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, recently the BBC America just showed, you know, the Aztecs, which was cool. I'd, right. I'd, I'd had a recording of that. Of course, I think one of the episodes was missing, but I love the fact that the William Hartnell is uh, kind of a playboy still uh, trying to <laughs> meet some Aztec women. thought that was kind of a neat yeah, take. <laughs> and BBC this year is coming out with a documentary on the making of uh, Doctor Who. They're going to go through all the doctors, uh, and apparently they've rebuilt most of the sets for the classic TARDISes, which... This is not a spoiler. I don't even have my cloister button today, but it's not a spoiler. This is just me pulling it out of my rear end. But uh, I think they're gonna might be reusing all those classic sets, maybe for the fiftieth anniversary. Just putting it out there. <laughs> I think yeah. I, I really start with the fifth Doctor. It was, it was so Peter Davison was the first Doctor I actually saw, and uh, for me, watching the older ones, it, it doesn't make sense. It it, it kind of it feels weird. Uh, and, and that's I think that's one of the things about Doctor Who. It, it's very generational. I, I've got a, a niece who is really into Doctor Who right now. She she doesn't even recognize uh, Eccles. I, I can't say Eccleton. Eccleston. Derbyshire. The guy that that hated being Doctor Who. Exactly. Doesn't yeah, yeah. she doesn't recognize him? She starts with Matt Smith, and that's it. That's her start off point. And she thinks anything before that uh, it, it doesn't really interest her. One of the most amazing thing is that Doctor Who has garnered a whole new um, fandom uh, from 2005 on. But the neatest thing, and I think a special opportunity that has never been out there before, is these brand new fans get a chance to go back into history. Right. And although not all of them do, a majority do. We give forums and we do ask this question that, you know, when did you first start with a Doctor? Have you gone back? So, you know, it, it's the first series, I think, in history that's ever been able to do that and offer that to these people. 
Yeah. And it's also, re it's also really fun to, to watch these new fans uh, have a moment of shock when their favorite doctor is leaving, as if this is the unheard of. And we've all been through that before. You know, we, oh, man, you know, I just I feel so old now when I look at my friends crying that uh, David Tennant was leaving. I said, yeah, it's happened, uh, what, it. ten more times before? <laughs> now, now, the only reason the show exists is because it was as popular as it was when William Hartnell decided that he wasn't going to be a doctor anymore. And the BBC execs had to come up with a way to keep the show going. And rather than having, you know, Su you know, one of the previous characters, like Alec Barber or Susan, take over the TARDIS. Or do what they do with James Bond and just ignore, right. the, ignore the facts. It's a different guy playing the right. character. Yeah, yeah so I think they came up the with a brilliant idea. And then we got Patrick Troughton, who had a long run as well. He is Matt Smith's favorite doctor, and you can... Well, you really see it. Matt Smith's practically channeling Patrick Craig yeah. a, lot, oh, yes. a lot of the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, absolutely you can I'm see that. I'm surprised he doesn't carry a recorder around. Oh, what a fantastic way to create a series and to keep it alive. You know, everybody hates to see their doctor go, but usually within two or three episodes, you start getting feelings for the new one. And that's happened for me, uh, you know, eight times already. So <laughs> it's, uh, it is neat. Um, and... and I'm a big uh, comic book guy, and comic book fans have trouble with this. Comic book companies struggle with this, trying to, you know, maintain both continuity, you know, long-term continuity, while also having jumping-on points or reboots. And somehow, you know, the Doctor Who fans, you know, a few exceptions. Once you get over the heartbreak of of your first Doctor dying, I, th I think built the into that DNA. It's been, it's built into the DNA of the show to have this weird combination of new starts, new starts, but also 50 years of continuity. They've managed to pull it off. Right. It's never really a reboot, even, even when the new series, and they divide it by classic and new. So it wasn't season 27. It was, you know, series one. Uh, it wasn't a reboot. It's still a continuation. That's what I like about it. They don't just say, oh, we're starting over again. Here's the doctor and Susan coming out, you know, leaving Gallifrey. It's always new, it's always fresh. And another big thing about the show, of course, Jeff, as you would know, is the music, the background music, the, yeah. the theme song is probably the most recognized theme song. Jeff, as, as a musician, um, did you ever dream, and since you've watched the old show, did you ever dream there'd be a point where they actually managed to get three concerts of Doctor, worth of Doctor Who music out of, out of the show? Like, I mean, That's wild. I remember when I was a kid and... watching the Star Wars, you know, the, you know, when they would have the characters come on with the, with the you know, Boston Symphony or something. And so now, recently, they're doing all the proms things, and it's like, wow. You know, I always thought Doctor Who was like this little secret that no one was going to know about except me and my <laughs> friends. Uh, and now it's, it's bigger than everything, and I'm just standing by the sidelines going... <laughs> <laughs> But if you've ever tried to listen to the music on the old show, I mean, it's, I mean, bless them, they had one guy who I actually have a theremin. <laughs> I do. I, I, have, I haven't plugged it in, but I have a theremin here, which, uh, you know, I love those old sci-fi shows where you... Of course, they also had orchestra, I mean, a small, small studio bands with, with brass and stuff. So, I mean, it, in some ways, you could say how low budget the, um, the visual effects might have been. I thought that the music was pretty, pretty spot. I mean, pretty top notch from the get go. I mean, you you actually have someone who has got to compose this. You got to go into a studio, uh, conduct it, and record it. So I know some of this was stock music, but uh, uh, I would say audio wise, if you were just to close your eyes and listen to a show from William Hartnell, um, it would sound. I think you would have a 
amazing case that it was top-notch from the get-go. And it's just recently that the visuals have kind of caught up with the audio and the writing that just has just made it this nice little full circle. Yeah, a lot less cardboard and bubble wrap now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the, 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 the neat thing too about even the theme song is that even if you've never watched the show, you can almost tell which decade of Doctor Who it is just from the theme song because mm -hmm. it also evolves along the way. And I'm going to play the, the, I think this is the first time they changed the theme, which was of course for the third Doctor. Uh, we're talking uh, Pertwee and Tom Baker into a big run of his was the 1970s. <laughs> And if you're you know, like Rob here, he can actually tell you what theme of that particular doctor it is. <laughs> you know, he knows the, the the small changes, and you know, some people get into it pretty deep. Although sound-wise, I think the most important thing to change with John Pertwee was they added that sting at the end of each episode yes. to let you know that it was it was going yes. out. So that's, that, that, that's the sound uh, for the new fans. Is the sound that you hear uh, just after the cliffhanger at the beginning of each episode now. So now it's before the theme, but yeah, the stinger is awesome. Yeah, at the end to let you know that you know that's you know that that was it, guys. You know the, they're not getting out of this until next week, and yeah. Well, I love the fact that occasionally there was so much production involved that they would have to extend the theme and add that little middle part. Do 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 do. Oh yes. Do, yes. Do, 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 do. That wasn't in it all the time. Matter of fact, most of the Tom Baker shows didn't have that unless it was a six-parter. Ooh, and it was cool, and you had that middle part there, and I and thought that's cool. I think the only cool time they led with that part of the song was for the uh, for the eighth Doctor so, movie. The movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I have that loaded here as well. But so he, just so folks can hear what he's talking about. We'll lead up to it. It's that, that second melody that you barely hear. Now that's a great one to play in Dreadnought as it's rolling around as well. <laughs> it goes on long enough to actually be useful. Hey, hey, Jeff, do you have time before you go? I know you got to go, but do you have time to play us a song? Yeah, sure, yeah. I know, I know you have a Doctor Who related song. Yeah, I wrote a song called Rose, um, and uh, it was right around the time the new show came out, and, and actually I was still kind of um, finding ways to watch it because it wasn't broadcast yet, but uh, I just kind of felt moved to write this uh, tune and uh, I'm sorry I have to bolt but uh, uh, um, this is a song about the character Rose uh, Tyler the Billy Piper played uh, in the Chris Eccleston and David Tennant stuff and it's a kind of a piano song but uh, kind of sounds nice on the acoustic guitar and it's tried to make it as vague enough so it isn't a Doctor Who fan song per se but if you walk away from me well, you know that I would hope that it would sure as hell be better than everything. All that I've let you see. Till your mom said hello. Tell her sorry that I ever let you go far from the life you knew. And all to you through But don't let the time that you knew Break you like you broke me Now that you're free Rose, you're fantastic, you know If it can't last, you will always be the one 
who knows you'll always be my rose fantastic rose remember how it all began all you had to do was hold my hand and we've been running all this time it seems what does it really mean seems like a million years so how's it all disappeared are you still here rose you're fantastic you know if it can't last you will always be my rose fantastic rose All that I ever could show you was love And Rose, you taught me how to let go love Save me more than I could tell Not that I'm desperate, but you know just where to cut me And you did, right through the bone Somehow I'm never alone Rose, you're fantastic, you know If it can't last, you will always be the one Who knows you'll always be my rose Fantastic rose Very nice, Jeff. That was Thanks, fantastic. <laughs> well, I wish I could stick around, man. It looks, looks like a lot of fun, and i got to go do a theater thing. But um, thank thanks for very, having thank me, and i got to come much, back, because uh, you guys have been a part of my uh, uh, career now for a while <laughs> with the book guys and everything. <laughs> wow, it's like I'm, I'm now part of the team kind of off somewhere, and, and it's always a pleasure to... When are we going to see a to, video for a fantastic rose? There is some somebody did a fan video a long time that. ago, uh, and and it's on it, YouTube, it's on YouTube. And actually, I never knew about it until after uh, people started saying, "Man, there's this video floating around with your song on it." And uh, I did a kind of remix version to stick on my own site. But yeah, I I just looked at that video and I thought that's perfect. I I couldn't really even do anything better than than what this uh, young lady did. And uh, it's nice. Go, go, I think it's on my site, thejeffsmith.com. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much, Jeff. We're going to take a quick Thanks, break. Get, in We're going the to morning, come back Jeff. and talk some more Doctor Who. Thank you, Jeff. In the morning. See you guys. In the morning, buddy. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs. I'm the voice of the Daleks. And I'm also the executive producer of Big Finish. Bigfinish.com. Yes, Doctor Who audios. And you're watching The Book Guys. We've come to some sort of agreement here. Uh, I won't be exterminated, but I, I do get a little bit of an interview. Uh, since we'll be spouting out a lot of uh, propaganda about the Doctor, I thought the Daleks should have their own airtime. You guys have scared me. 
That is the correct reaction to a Dalek. A human should be scared of us. Let's start with Dalek Oric. Dalek Oric, when was the first time you encountered the Doctor? I encountered the Doctor on Earth in your future when the Daleks successfully invaded the planet and enslaved humanity. Okay, and uh, Dreadnought, when did you encounter the Doctor first? Dalek Dreadnought is from the Dark Dimension in which we encountered the fourth incarnation of the Doctor. Now, are the Daleks doing anything to commemorate the 50th year of the existence of the Doctor? We are not commemorating the existence of the Doctor! We are commemorating the existence of the Daleks! Do not insult the Daleks or you will be destroyed! This is the anniversary of the Dalek Empire! All hail the Daleks! All hail! We'll be right back, folks. It wouldn't be an episode of Book Guys Show without some kind of Skype screw-up. We lost Padre. Oh, well. Yeah, just, you know, what an opportune time. He just walks up and says, I'm gonna, oh, God. <laughs> Where were we? We were somewhere in, like, the, the classic series, weren't we? We were right around the, the third Doctor. John, yeah, John Pertwee, one of my favorites, folks, because you got to go back, even if you're not into classic who, go back, watch John Pertwee. He, he did all his own stunts, and this is an ex-Navy man. You know, he had the Navy tattoo up the one arm. Which you can see in his very first story when he's in a sh he's, you know, hiding in the shower, pretending to be a doctor, like a medical doctor. And you can see as he's sort of, you know, like soaping up, there right. is the there is the sailor <laughs> tattoo right in his arm. Yeah, well, you know, he's, he's a couple hundred years old at point. Oh, yeah, so he, maybe he's, he's been around. He's done a lot of stuff with his life. Thing. Exactly, exactly. Maybe he spent some time with Captain Jack in the Navy. Who knows? Perfect. <laughs> that <laughs> that explains the smart. hairdo. <laughs> he, 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 uh, he used his own, did his own stunts, uh, used mm. his own vehicles in, in the show. I, I'm not sure if Bessie, the yellow, the, the antique car was his, but I know that the, the Who-mobile, the hovercraft, yeah. actually was his. And he just he asked the producers, can I drive the car in the show? And they're like, let's see how much budget we have. <laughs> yeah, sure, bring your own car. This is great. And it looks like uh, you're wearing the, the, the Tom Who, uh, sorry, the Tom Baker scarf there. I got, I got to tell you, when I, uh, I've got my... Uh, my uh, Tom Baker stories. When we moved here to, to Central Ohio, mentioned before, excellent uh, Columbus Metropolitan Library system. Bunch of VHSs of the classic Who story. So I was getting really getting back into it, and I convinced my daughter, maybe nine or ten years old at the time, to join me for a viewing of a Doctor Who episode. I told her it was cheesy, old-fashioned, kind of funny, goofy guy in a big scarf. She'll love it. Unfortunately, I picked the Seeds of Doom. Oh, and dear. she ended up not hiding behind the sofa, but actually under her covers for a while. <laughs> <laughs> There's a character who gets turned into a plant man, and that did not make her happy. So but I'm it took a few years, but the geek force in her like was right strong. She did eventually return to sci-fi and comics and geekness and, and, and even Doctor Who. Yeah, you'd be forever fear of greenhouses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to stop somebody from becoming a vegetarian, that's uh, the that's, that's that, way to that's, do that's it. That's the thing about the show. I mean, it's not always monsters. It's it's the fact that they, especially the new in the new series, uh, they turn everyday normal objects like the statue that you know, or the gargoyles at at the top of the building, or water. 
Uh, waters right. of Mars or yeah. you know, anything. The, the everyday, the ordinary suddenly becomes dangerous and threatening. And, uh, and Doctor Who had, had the, the idea behind of body horror before it was even like a, a, a term. Something right. David Cronenberg is absolutely in love with in his horror movies. Doctor Who was doing long before oh, it was yes. even, a, you know, even a concept. And just, oh, I mean, the fact that they were allowed to show these things to kids was just like, you know, I look back at it now. Doctor Who is such a slaughterhouse. Like, it is <laughs> unbelievably violent and such a high body count. I mean, not, not gore per se, but I mean, a lot of characters don't make it to the end of most stories. And, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of, okay, that's, you know, you roll with it. So whatever, that's just the yeah, way things right. are. But looking back at it now, I'm kind of like, yeah. wow, that's. I can't, I can't remember a, a, a serial or a, a serial. Like, you know, back in the classic, it was a, three, a string of three or four episodes. I can't remember a serial of episodes. Or an episode where nobody died other than maybe the doctor dances, mm -hmm. where he's literally dancing because no, everyone lived, yeah, right? Yeah, what a shock. <laughs> and Stephen Moffat does, try, I've noticed with his stories a lot of the time, he does try to keep a large portion of his characters alive, probably because he grew up with the old show and, you know, still has. Yes. Right, Revenge of the Daleks, yeah, where everyone dies. He's conscientiously <laughs> trying to kind of maybe do a little bit of the opposite of what he yes. he grew up with with the old with the old Who, which is, you know, which is perfectly fine. It's, and it seems that a lot of the deaths have more meaning now in New Who. It's not a, a setup. Like, classic Who was always, this is scary because look at those 23 people just died. <laughs> now right. it's, it's meaningful. You get to know the character a little bit better before they die. Yeah, now there is feeling imparted into their death, right. where before it was just, okay, well, he's gone. Right, he's and, gone now. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing to see a, a TV series that can impart such a, um, a following. When we look at statues, look on the internet three years ago. No one mentioned statues. Now there's right. constant pictures mm -hmm. of statues. Yeah. Oh, it de definitely has an impact on pop culture. And I think that was the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around was how popular Doctor Who is because again I still remember it from when I was a kid and I, I watched right. it because I was I was British and very few mm. people other than myself were right. were even aware of it and now to you know to show up at a convention in a Dalek a few years ago and be mobbed like I I, I, I didn't expect it. I took yeah. him there because I didn't know what else to do with him after I built him blew, yeah. blew my mind being at uh, I think the Toronto Comic Con last year the the Bearman panel which we were there we recorded right. that for the right. show right. right. Uh, and to see this gigantic room full of cheering, frenzied people <laughs> for an actor who played, we'll call it a secondary character, who's not, not playing the doctor, he's playing a doctor's companion, uh, and, and a crowd like that cheering, and I never would have imagined that no. before the new series. No, you, I would never no. have believed that I'd, at this point in my life, Doctor Who would be as, as popular as it is right now. And, and, and have come back in the way that, that it did. And, right. And, and exactly the, the right way. Um, some of the complaints I've heard that the original fans, it's not like the old show. Well, that's... Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not necessarily <laughs> a, a bad thing. Right. I mean, you can't, it, At least yeah. it has a future now. Right. <laughs> it does. It's, it still has enough of the, the core elements where the, where the Doctor is a, is a strong moral force but, for good. But it, it's not, it's not the, the dark, terrible... Right. Uh, you know, we also don't have the same the, the, the slow pace, but I mean every right. if you look at every show from that time, the pace was about the same. Mm -hmm. I mean you would have a shot of a guy eating his sandwich for twenty seconds before <laughs> the secondary character came in and talked to him. We can't have that now. No. And actually, I, I mentioned before yeah. on this show that uh, sorry I keep looking that way, folks. It's because our monitor setups changed today. And we only have a monitor that way, so I'll, I'll try to look at you. So so 
uh, there's a guy who, who he did a thing. He he, uh, he did the Doctor Who. I uh, forgot what he called it. Not quite legal, but he trimmed down the classic episodes so the shots move a little quicker. Sort of like a re-edit type right. thing? Right. Yeah. Re-edit. He kept all the story and kept all the dialogue, but just sort of cut out the 20-second establishing shots and has trimmed some of the episodes by like 30%. Interesting. I thought it was a great idea. Maybe the BBC... Uh, well, actually, he probably got it from the BBC with the Planet of the Daleks. Where they took that what eight episodes and put it into a movie? Oh wow, yeah. yeah. Like, two, don't don't watch the episode, folks. The, the, Go for the movie. Yeah, the yes. two Peter Cushing <laughs> movies are just the distilled oh, right. down version of this. I mean, these stories, which are mostly filler. Um, I mean, really, they, they they were they you know they were trying to pad out, get as much use out of each set as they possibly could, and and even and at the time, I mean, you also have to remember that they weren't really sure if if the Doctor was going to be the star of the show because they divide like they gave all the action to to Ian. Um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Barbara was there, you know, as, as part of that. that well, I think too. that also has to do with the age of you know, William Hartnell at the time. Right. Oh, of right. course, you absolutely, know. absolutely. It's but, kind of why we've gone with younger doctors. Definitely, but the, but the, the thing is, it wasn't Doctor the, the Doctor Who show exclusively. Right. There were a lot of there was a lot of emphasis placed, maybe more so than there is today, on the companions. Um, where and that gradually, you know, that right. gradually changed as they as they kind of got a feel for what worked and what didn't, and what was popular and what wasn't. But that's you know that was definitely what they were going. As soon for. as I said that about William Hartnell, that whole ageist comment I said, and then I thought of <laughs> John Pertwee was no spring chicken, and he was. <laughs> well, he. You know, I mean, I, th- I think you know John Pertwee was. I mean, that was basically you know James Bond. You know, yes. uh, is the, 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 on Master on on yeah. TV is basically what those unit shows yeah. were. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we move on to t- Tom Baker, of course. Uh, I, I think I started with with Pertwee. I can't remember how did he regenerate to Tom Baker. Um, he, the, the spider planet. Um, he got the, the the radiation from the crystals in that giant spider's yes. cave. Poison, kind of the same way David Tennant, I guess. They, right. both, they both got radiation poisoning, right. and they both had to regenerate. And out. then we get Tom Baker, uh, up-and-coming actor, who was, uh, at the time, he was a construction worker. You know, got noticed that he was going to be the doctor. And you know. Shout out to the Padre. He was going to be a monk at one point in his, in his yep. career. Yes. Yeah, yep. he, he, did was, he did plan on doing that. That's right. And uh, he had the longest run to date. I believe yep, Tom seven, Baker. Seven years. Yep. Yep. Seven yep. years. The first episode was with the K1 robot. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I remember that was a huge monstrosity. Yep. And then we had <laughs> three years of. Uh, we'll put up some of these visuals on the screen for you folks, <laughs> and uh, hopefully we won't get pulled off YouTube this week. <laughs> they did a uh, when they did a um, a poll maybe three four years ago, Doctor Who magazine. You know, they polled their readers to get the greatest stories of all time, and five of the top ten stories were Tom Baker. Nice. You know, and, and, and you know, part of that is obviously the longevity. There's a little statistical uh, fact there. He's more likely, but you know, yeah, half yeah, of the we'll, top ten. We'll, we'll put that up on the screen. So we can see the K1 robot there. We'll put it up on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we're not saying why he's in my iPad. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Long story. Okay. And, and then it was interesting because that, then they had uh, Philip Hinchcliffe and Robert Holmes uh, sort of uh, helming Doctor Who, and you had three, more or less three years of just gothic horror. Um, yes. Tom Baker's like early stories were just—I mean—they were fantastic. Uh, I mean, it, we had mummies and uh, just... yeah, mum, yeah, mummies and you know Frankenstein monsters and oh, I mean just about everything you could you could you could think of and killer robots and introduction to Davros. Introduction to Davros. Yeah, very uh, very dark, very disturbing. You know. A, a, and um, I can understand why there were a lot of complaints about that that era. Because again, going back, you look at it now and you're like, 
Jesus. But, <laughs> but no other doctor put more kids behind the couch. Oh, that's I, right. I, I, I don't Absolutely. Think so. But we, we had a lot of comedy, terrifying. too. A, 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 the humor uh, was brought into the show a bit more with Tom Baker, of course, with like Douglas Adams as one of the writer and... And, and, Absolutely, and and, that, and that's when that's when they got that was one of the changes they made, and deliberate changes they made in, in Tom Baker's um, sort of you know control of you know, time on, on the show was when Douglas Adams took over as a script editor, um, and those for those early years it was a very interesting story structure because you did have you know say a classic Frankenstein story in the brain of Morbius, but then you had the Doctor who was not a part of in right. any way shape or form part of a Frankenstein story, right? Completely derailing what should have been going on, and that that and most of his stories were like. That. And Some I think, great one-liners in there. Too, yeah, and, and, and he just and, put a zinger in the middle of all. Because the, the doctor is present, the story doesn't go the way it's supposed right. to, and that's half the interest of of, of and, and the reason why these these shows worked as well as they did. Because you were taking a concept that you thought you you were familiar with, and right. you thought you knew where it was going, and it went in a completely different direction because one character just refused to play along. And, and then and, we get the, some of our more interesting uh, companions, alien companions with Tom Baker. We get um, we get canine, we get the dog. Mm -hmm. Drink canine? Master. Through my straw. There we are, though. How's that? The changeling? What was. Oh, uh, Chameleon? Chameleon. Yeah. Which was uh -huh. a really. That was a really um, strange sort of failure. And I don't know why it, it failed. Um, uh, I, I know why it's special effects, but that's that's, yeah. what I, that's what I didn't understand. That was the excuse that they gave was that the robot never quite worked properly. But why did the robot need to work properly when the robot was meant to look like any right. anybody else? They could have had any right. It could have been, been Rob. Yeah. Rob it, could have, it could have been me. It could have been you. It could have right. been anyone. And they could have just said, "Oh, this is the robot." This during this story, right. and it would have been fine. But instead, I. I guess they just nobody really liked the character or didn't know what to do with the character, yeah. and they just kind of, you know, abandoned it. You think uh, uh, like Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the, the the changeling on there? I would think something like that. Where Odo, yeah, Odo. So you would only have to maybe every three episodes you could have changed his face. Yeah. Other than that, you could just got a parade of cameo appearances would have been great. Yeah, it would, yeah. would have been it would have been fine. Maybe so. you can bring him back. I don't know what happened to Community. I, I, I honestly don't remember <laughs> what happened to Community. And, and it must have been. My favorite, Tom Baker, my favorite companion was uh, Lala Ward, uh, uh, Romana too. And I find it in the lore of Doctor Who, watching her go through that series of regenerations and she came out in what five or six different bodies oh yeah before yeah. she finally became a, <laughs> right. the and that was completely douglas adams just yeah. tacking yeah. that on to the start of the story to explain why the actress had had changed yeah just him really yeah. but it added something to the the regeneration mythos now time lords can not only choose their faces but the bodies the body they yeah i mean that Open right. a whole can of worms that I don't think has ever really been. It's never been explored. revisited. He's no. mentioned it a few no. times, like you know, during his regeneration. Oh, good, still only have one head, as if the possibility of more than one <laughs> head existed. But they've never really gone. Well, you know, I mean, the only other time we see road. the control of regeneration is when uh, David Tennant tosses the energy back out of him, stays right. as David Tennant. Yes. Right, right. right. So, but uh, but no, with those companions between. Sarah Jane and Leela and Romana, we really got the model of the young female companion, yes. which is certainly carried forward in but the new But at the time, still kept completely asexual. I mean, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. we didn't see any innuendo or uh, references to, to the Doctor even being a sexual person, other than like the bloopers. Mm -hmm. Well, playful bantering, <laughs> and that's all you ever saw. That's all you saw, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then of course, uh, Tom Baker falls off a tower. And 
becomes mm-hmm. Peter Davison. Yep. Peter Davison. Yep. Uh, with the help of the Watcher. Another thing they never revisited. And that was, yeah, another a, interesting right. aspect yeah. of regeneration they never... I think heard. it's been explained, uh, not on, on, the sh- on the show, but it's been explained as a potential future self coming back to help him. It was just the guy in white makeup. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Peter Davison, I think, was the first one who had a, a real difficulty with his regeneration. He had to spend a whole episode in, in a coffin, pretty that's much. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we don't see that, I think, again until David Tennant, when he. Um... Yeah, well, Colin Baker had a little bit of difficulty. He tried to murder the um, Mel at the start. I think he or was no, just, Perry. Sorry, I think Colin Baker Perry. was not not himself, but the character was just a dick. I think he actually did just want to murder. Of all the doctors, he's pretty much the biggest prick. I would yeah, which which is unfortunate because Colin Baker, like the like the actor himself, had a really rough. I mean, there, there there's there's a couple of videos on YouTube if you're at all interested in the history of Doctor Who. It's well worth like find like sort of. There's one about Doctor um, Doctor uh, Colin Baker's time as the Doctor, and the, he really got you know sort of screwed over by the BBC in a lot of different ways. They, they've toned down that part of his character, the the being a prick, uh, for the Big Finish series, and he's he's got a long run. Yeah, on I, Big Finish, and like his doctor is a little bit more endearing to the audience. He's yeah. a nicer guy. His doctor has developed him. a lot oh. better after his death. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. yes. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I got to say, that was the one doctor that that really took me a long time to to say, uh, this is the doctor. You know, I was just, please, can we regenerate? And then I kind of yep. got used to him yep. after a while. The coat, and, the coat was what did it, I think. It was not a good, ch- and again, that was. Let's one... Take a look at this coke. It's just <laughs> not a... it's hideous. R- really, yeah. <laughs> and, there, and there's a story behind that that as well, which I'm not going to go go into. But it's it's again more you know Colin Baker's the, the poor choices that surround not not that they were out to get him, but there were a lot of poor decisions made during his time as yeah. the Doctor, which you know just kind of all snowballed in this huge pile of you know crap, which this <laughs> poor guy had to try and carry. Yes. and just I don't think anybody could have done it. Um, yeah, so uh, Colin Baker also the the first I think also the first Doctor who had already appeared on the series as a security guard yeah as yeah. one of the Gallifreyan security guards in uh, Mark of Infinity that's right yeah. one of Peter Davison's stories that's right uh, and then of that's course one, sorry one of the things about but about you know about Colin Baker one of the things that I think came out of that was I mean the the trial of the Time Lord season yes. you know the the one season long arc really the became Sort of a yeah, model for you know what what TV really has become. Maybe started full force with something like Babylon Five or something like that. But certainly seeds of it traced you know traced to a series like that that said we're going to connect every every episode of this season. Playing the prosecutor. Yes. So this is the first time we see the. They didn't say alternate. It was the future version of the Doctor. Somewhere between his twelfth and thirteenth regenerations, that it is. Twelfth and thirteenth doctors. Yeah, whatever. The whatever evil version. I mean, the dark. But you know, we're on the eleventh doctor, so that would mean it would happen sometime after our next doctor. Uh, I, I guess I'm, I try to block most of that out of my out of my mind. <laughs> yeah, because you know, at some point in time, they're gonna re-edit the script where it can now start all over again. And... Yeah, and who knows what's what's. You know, at this point, what's canon and what? Yeah, what isn't, but it's so. funny how you see it's come back a couple of times. We come back to Romana, where she played the princess before, and then comes back as a companion. Yeah, which again so, was deliberately mentioned. Yeah. Like it was, you know, right. they had right. a lampshade on it. They deliberately, you know, highlighted the fact that it was the same body that was being 
was being used, he comments on it. And, yep, yeah. yep. And then, you know, when we go into the lore of it, we see the doctor's daughter becomes the doctor's wife. Well, we, we also <laughs> see uh, Alex Kingston do some, some of that. Although she doesn't switch bodies on screen, she does say, hey, hey I'm concentrating on, a, concentrating on a dress size here. Yeah. You're a Melody. But if she's Melody, that means that she's oh, Shut also... up, Dad. I'm focusing on a dress size. Right. <laughs> yep, very interesting. So yeah, they, they just drop little little hints. They never, I, which gives them a lot of wiggle room, right? If they need to do anything and the, want to write a story around some element in the future, they it's it's totally wide open. They they haven't really committed to to anything, which is which is fun. And, yeah. and one of the things I, one of the things about Doctor Who fandom that seems to be one of the more gentle and generous fandoms, both to each other and to and to I think the creators and to the show. As opposed to again, I mentioned you know comic book fans, where you know they will hold on to something that was said in a particular issue in 1973, and if you're not <laughs> hewing to that directly, then you're contradicting something. Well, I, I, and I don't know. The, the continuity police are, are yeah, not and, and, and Doctor Who I think has managed uh, the show and the fans have been able to buy into this. Like I said before, this combination of continuity and renewal. And letting them both happen and not get hung up on on either side of that, and right, just letting then, both know, of it, those things flourish. Absolutely. If the fans do catch on to something, you just hear Steve Moffat say, "Oh, it's just timey wimey. We can change." Timey wimey. <laughs> well, in the same, get, just going a little bit back to the old series, in John, in the same season of of one of John Pertwee's uh, uh, years. There were two totally separate and different explanations for what happened to the continent of Atlantis in the same year. <laughs> so any you know any Anything pretense at continuity or keeping track of you know history just it just it never existed. It was no nobody was 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 looking after this. It was well, whatever the writer wanted we, to. Sort but of we have down. seen the Doctor uh, becoming almost an omnipotent god at this point, uh, to the point where he had to erase himself from. History because mm -hmm. no matter where he walked, <laughs> people said, "Here comes a doctor, run!" Doctor. And he's now that he's the only Time Lord, and he has made some. He's called some audibles in previous uh, episodes in the new series that, well, the Time Lords used to have a rule for this, but they're dead. I'm in charge now, and I could see him getting to the point where he would become the Valier. He mm -hmm. would play right. God. More than he does now. Well, that was really interesting at the end of the Waters of Mars, where he just decided, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to play God. And you know, realized that, you know, I, I, this was I screwed up. I did something yeah. really, really bad. And you know, stopping himself, which was, you know, somebody with that much power, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. But he realized, even though he did the wrong thing, it was the wrong thing, and that something had to change. And that that was an extremely that was for me the most interesting part of that entire episode when he just. Finally, because has there ever been a time when the doctor didn't do the right thing? Right. You know, at that point, he was just like, you know what? Nobody's. I can do what I want. I'm in charge now, and realize that no, I can't just do anything. There. Are and I, I, I think that's rules. that's one of the values of the companions. You know, oh, to give that yes. sort of earth, that earthling perspective yeah. and, and to, to sort of rub off on him some humanity. Yes, the companions hold him back from doing what he can do. 
And that was that was mentioned in the uh, uh, the episode Turn Left. It's mentioned in yeah. a um, few episodes. That's, why, that's right. why he yeah. died because um, she wasn't there. Donna, what, was it Donna who stopped him with the rack? Yes. yes, yes. Because mm-hmm. Donna wasn't there to sort of pull yeah. him out of that that situation. He would have, you know, gone, you know, until his death at that point. If there had yeah, been somebody the doctors there become so omnipotent without the let's say the Time Lords are his kryptonite. Mm. I mean. Without the Time Lords from the classic series, because you know when the Doctor would try to change something in a way it shouldn't be changed, there'd be a guy from the CIA, the Celestial Intervention <laughs> Agency, right. Right. literally knocking on the tar- knocking on the TARDIS door while it's in flight and saying, uh, "No, uh-huh. can't has, do that." Has the CIA ever ever been mentioned in the show? I know I I've, I haven't read many of the books, but I know it was part of the novels. Was it ever I part? Believe of it the, was mentioned. It was mentioned yeah. in the show. Um, Trying to think during the year where they did the whole uh, key to time. Okay. CIA I, was there. I don't because I, I honestly don't remember. I it, think that's got to be a I Douglas be Adams thing. It, it, that's got to be it. We, we'll look it up. Quite possibly. <laughs> so the uh, Peter Davison uh, had a long run. Broccoli. Oh, Jesus. Celery. The celery. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Celery. The celery and even even Colin Baker's cat really didn't. And then we go full cheese. Welcome to the '80s, everybody. Question marks everywhere. Question marks on your hat. Question marks on your bow tie. Question marks on your jacket. It, I don't know, guys. It was really, it fit the times. And the music. The music. Well, you know, it didn't always fit the times, but it sure helped it the hiatus we had. So that, that's Colin Baker. Colin Baker had that music for uh, Tom Baker's Tom Baker, yes, that's right. That's where they start with the new titles. And then uh, we got really, really deep into the 80s. Uh, I'm gonna, there's a couple more major changes to the, to the theme in the 80s. Oh, this, is, this is now we're getting. Wow, that's, that's hardcore. That yeah. is disco. Yeah. Yep. And this could have been the best part of the That's the that was eighty six and just a year later because it wasn't eighties enough. <laughs> just because it wasn't eighties enough, buddy. Oh man! <laughs> it's, it's amazing how many different ways you can play the same song. We'll post little clips of the titles too. You can really, this I think this one is when they first started doing three D graphics. Yeah, yeah. It was like uh, state of the art at the time. And had the flying head in your face too, didn't it? That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a game. That's a game show theme. Yes. Not a sci-fi show theme. So Sorry. now, of course, we're uh, Sylvester McCoy. Who was he? Was Scottish? Was he not? He was. Yeah. Was yeah. he the first non-English doctor? That's a good question. I don't. I think know. he was. He, might, he might have been. Yeah. He might have I been. don't think we go other than English until David Tennant. I think you're right. I so think. yeah, and. Uh, through no fault of his own, he I think he had a good run. Sylvester McCoy, he had some shitty scripts. Oh, there I, I yep. won the prize. Yep. I got to buy the beer next week. <laughs> he had some crappy scripts, we'll say. Yeah, um, but also some great ones. I think he had his was a real. It was really up and down. He did. Yeah. He didn't sort of you know like level out. He his was really either you well, loved. Well, he the also story had some it. very interesting scripts. And if they would have had a budget, would have been interesting. Yes, you're right. You know, yeah. They would have been a worthwhile episode. Yeah, they were just a little bit too ambitious for their yeah. for their. He had an interesting companion too, Ace. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really <laughs> liked Ace. Like, Rob loves Ace. Yeah. And, Ace know, grew I, on me. I, uh, Ace grew on me. I think, I think because of the audible, uh, the audible. I was going to say audible. The big finish stories also 
endeared me a little more to Ace. When I first saw her, I was like, yeah, okay, they're trying to, I see what they're trying to do, trying to make the show hip for all the hip kids, and they had this kid with her 80s stuff on, and... But even ignoring that, I just liked it, she was... She was aggressive, like Lila was aggressive, but she also was like really like how to how to. I mean, she was a messed up kid as well, and had an interesting backstory, which they kind of went into a little bit in. Uh, and always had a bomb in her in her backpack, right always, when the doctor always needed had a to bomb blow in her back. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't go. You, you gotta love a girl with explosives in her in her knapsack. You yep. can't can't argue with that. Yeah, we have a seven hundred year old time war, but she's got the bombs. She's got That's the right. bombs. Right. I liked uh, I liked Melanie. You know the the companion at the start of his. I like Mel too. Of, I, again, with Mel, I, well. I, I, I liked her better in the audio. I don't know why. I just, right, right. I think Did she scream less in the audio? A lot less, yes. Okay, then, then I probably would have liked her better. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think in general, with the Big Finish audios that did keep Doctor Who afloat for all those years, um, and all the, the books and stuff, we had better scripts. Oh, by far. It was very interesting. Cause, I if mean, you were to far. take scripts from a lot of the Big Finish audios and transplant them into 1987... There would not have been a break. But you know what? Right. And what happens is when you read the books like that, your mind develops the picture for you, and it's far better. If you took some of the scripts that we actually watched the episodes from and read them, they're pretty good. I agree, But if Mark, we yeah. watch them on TV, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I just, read, I, just, I just read maybe two, three months ago. Uh, actually, I listened to his audio versions. Uh, BBC put it out because it was based on a on a specific episode, it was the novelization of Paradise Towers, which was a, a okay. McCoy and, and Melanie story. So they did the, you know, he wrote the script, uh, Stephen Wyatt, and then they did the novelization a year later, and then eventually, uh, since it was an original episode, it was a, a BBC audio production with, with Melanie reading it. And that was really strong, and I think... Mm -hmm. You know that was a that was a good a, a a good presentation of that script, right? Better better than the TV episodes were. Oh yeah, once once again to to visualize it in yourself, you can do so much better than what they actually put out there. So we we had a about eight nine eight nine years break until Fox attempted. I was I can't say the words I wanted to use on this show. Neither can anyone else. <laughs> Fox tried to do things with Doctor Who that I don't think should be done with Doctor Who. Let's put it that way. That's a very nice way, a very diplomatic way of putting it. Uh, we get, uh, in my opinion, one of the best Doctors. He's in my like top three. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, he's in my top three. And considering the fact he was on screen for ninety minutes, I mean that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, hang on. If I just watched the movie, he'd be in my top ten. Okay. <laughs> yeah. with, the work, with the work he's done uh, I'd love to see some of the stories yeah. that he's, he did during the break uh, like the Zagreus stories and all, all the different things that he went through mm -hmm. in, in the audios uh, I would love to see them on film I would love to see him uh, the, the whole time spend the time war if he was the one in the time war yes. spoilers yeah. sorry yeah. he developed I, into such a better doctor and in, in, in far superior to a lot of the other doctors with Big Finish. I mean, they, they, 
they played him perfectly. And how interesting that Big Finish basically got to create their own Doctor because yes, right, was, he was exactly. it was an unwritten character yes. more or less. So they got to create their own their their very own Doctor from scratch and do more or less whatever they they wanted with them, which which is really unique. Doctor Who is unique in so many ways, and that I think is is another way that it's kind of a unique program. Yeah, had, Big Big Finish was handed a blank slate yeah, to hear mold them. Not the BBC, but another group entirely who had their own you know, this own. Their and own they've been very respectful to too with with that oh, yes, yes. card blanche. They haven't like. Oh no! And you have to be. To, you would have to be to keep the fans, but at the same time, you know, you're, you they yeah. weren't really tied down to anything that had been established before. Right. They could do whatever they wanted. It was they, they even when they did go a little bit nuts, when Big Finish did did go completely crazy on the Doctor Who scripts, they made it a separate alternate universe. Thing. Right. They called it right. Uh, Doctor Who Unbound, where we saw we saw the Doctor turning into the Valyard. We saw uh, the Doctor hiding on Earth as a woman. This is before the Fob Watch thing that the right. show introduced. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. The adventures of the doctor as a woman hanging out with her, you know, roommates. You know, hey, who left the spoiled milk in the fridge? You know, it, was, it still worked out as an interesting story. Right. Uh, I think they kept it alive. I mean, the fans kept it alive. Oh, no doubt. Uh, the books. We kept buying books. We kept buying yeah. toys and stuff. Not for $8,000 on PBS. <laughs> we actually, we bought them yeah, I don't know. I, I, I may have mentioned this during our break, or this, this may be a repeat, but by some calculations, you know, by virtue of, of the big finish work, you know, Paul McGann you know, may have actually portrayed the Doctor longer in terms of minutes, quote-unquote screen time, you know, count, counting the audio, well, than, 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 than yeah, any other actor. Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. I believe he did. And uh, you know, then the, the the break ends, of course, in two thousand and five, when uh, Russell T Davies brings mm -hmm. it back to the BBC. Now, uh, cover your ears. Now, there's some of the spoilers supposedly online say that there might have been. Okay, no, I, I'm go I definitely okay. am going to cover my ears here. I don't <laughs> want to hear until I see it. <laughs> <coughs> that there may have been, there may have been a doctor between Paul McGann and. Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> yes, might, to pull. We might see him at some point. All right. To, so, to, but again, that's all just. Am I safe now? Just oh, to, safe now. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. All right. Just, just to pull now. back the curtain, we are we are recording about four hours before the season finale airs yes. in the U.S. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so uh, it's 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 a new era of Doctor Who. Russell T Davies is bringing us. And, and what a what a right time for the right guy. You know, in, absolutely. In, in bringing Eccleston, and I really did like Eccleston. I realized they had some some problems and in, in that, but Russell T. Davis and Eccleston developed the Doctor into something fantastic from what it was previously. It wouldn't have survived today in its previous format, and I love its previous format. Like I, I frequently rewatch the old episodes because you know yep. it's what I grew up yep. with. You know, I like slow science fiction. But I, the, I enjoy yeah, that. But the old episodes won't pull in a new crowd. Like right. it has done. No, now. and I and I think it's wrong when I do hear some people suggesting that people start with the old shows. I, I don't. I think that's a really tough way to capture a modern audience. If they want to go back, by all means, you know, there's, a, yeah, yeah. there's years yeah, of history we, there. We, we get asked this quite often. I mean, we're at a lot of the conventions, and, and we have new people walk up and say, well, I've never really watched Doctor Who. Where do I start? 2005 with that, because follow that series wow, through. Absolutely. And, I, I and, say, and then uh, go on. Then go back and watch Genesis of the Daleks, and you know, right, then we right. get all the Dalek episodes. Yeah. 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 So you can always pick out a couple of the yeah, the classic series that you can send them back to, and then yeah. eventually they'll end up devouring them all. But like I say, Russell T. Davies almost lost me episode one. 
when the blue box uh, burped. Oh, oh, yeah, like, yeah. They they were real. They took a, they took almost half a season to find their feet with that with that show. Like the the Slovene, the fart, the fat suit fart monsters. I mean, yeah. When I, when I yeah. tried to introduce yeah. one of my friends to Doctor Who with the new stuff, he was like, like it really. He he honestly came up to you after he'd watched the the first five. He was like, really? What like what do you see in this? Because he <laughs> he'd enjoyed the second and the third one, which was the you know the the Earth blowing up and the and the right. and the ghosts. Yeah. He was totally into that, but then the Slovene showed up and yeah. it just it almost killed it for him. But then yeah, course, but that then, also pulled the children back in. With well, a whole you know, new children uh, audience. I mean, but sorry, fart jokes series, are still funny. I know, yeah, but the classic but series never resorted really to fart jokes you, you and burping, burping blue, bu- blue bins. It was a child's show without being childish. Kind of That's, too far in the wrong direction. But, yeah. then, but then they, they, they saved it with Dalek. And even the revisit right. of the Celine when you know when they were yes like that was a, I mean they didn't go anywhere they just they stayed in in Wales and it was a, it was basically conversation after conversation about the morality of turning this mass murderer right. over to the authorities when the doctor certainly didn't have clean hands you know he'd right. certainly been involved in many situations where people had you know, many people had died around him it was it was one of the most fascinating episodes um, same same creatures you know same you know same character even but they didn't have to do you know the fat suit fart jokes and it worked just fine so I'm kind of glad that they I agree that Eck, you know Eccleston was the right guy I mean they needed him into the cast they needed someone with some gravitas some legitimacy in the role he was a well-respected film actor and obviously the tenure was contentious for for whatever reason would like him to have stayed another season or two, have more of a character arc himself, but you know, starting off with that sort of dark and tortured nature, mm-hmm. admittedly it could have been a drag over time. Maybe, maybe he would have developed into a more tenant-like, uh, you know, like character uh, um, over time. But I think um, having someone of that caliber, uh, you know, for the return was was critical. I, I think it really. I think they took a. I realized why they did it, moved from Eccleston and Tennant, but what a risk for them to take with the series so early on with brand new uh, audience. Right. You know, introduce them to regeneration that soon and be able to still keep going. Yeah. One year later, and, and I mean, I know we, he had problems with the production crew and, mm-hmm. you know, but he did go on to much bigger and better things like G.I. Joe movie. <laughs> Um. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see how, but yeah, it could have been. So, of course, Eccleston regenerates in a big, uh, one of the coolest regeneration scenes. Yes, fantastic. Ever seen. Yes, very, that was very good. Time Lords have this little trick. It's, it's all the way of cheating death. Except, it means I'm going to change. It's almost like they've standardized the regeneration now, which is when I, I, it's always the flash of energy now. Right. Well, I, I like the fact that in the classic series, it was always a different, it was either a fade or 
uh, something different always happened. Yeah, and, and which is nice, because, I mean, since the Time War, who knows how all these Time Lord things now work, since he's right. the only one left, right? So it's, which, which is perfect. You don't have to explain why it's different. It's just, it's different well, it's different. Well, just him and so many, Alex Kingston. Yeah, and so many things have changed. So. Jenny and <laughs> yep. the Master. And yep, exactly. We're so, kind of losing that last of the Time Lord that's, thing. That's true, actually. As, he, as he's uh, platonically spreading his seed uh, all across... <laughs> Yep, that's that's very true. That's very true. There's more of them now than at the start. So we get David Tennant uh, from Christopher Eccleston, and he's one of like I know with all the young kids, he's like their Tom Baker. He's like their yeah, favorite. and that's exactly the best way to put it. Yeah, he is today's yeah. generation Tom, Tom Baker. Baker, and right, right, right. so right, and very yeah. much deserved. And of course, his favorite doctor, Peter Davison. Who's his father? Who's his father-in-law now? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's just that, that's too trippy to even, even yeah, think about. Yeah, yeah. and. You know, just on a side note, we are going to meet Peter Davison this we fall. Are going to meet oh, Peter we, we have in Toronto. There's a, a convention happening in November, the first part of November. It's called Reverse Polarity. Yes, and, and I, I apologize for the plug here, but no, we are, no, we, we, are, we had, we had, uh, yeah, we are helping host yeah, yes, this, and this, uh, yes. yeah, to have Peter Davidson, and I believe it's his really? first time in Canada. I think it is, and it's um, you know, it is here in Toronto, first weekend of uh, November. Um, Peter Davison will be there all weekend as the guest of, of honor, and I can't think of a better you know guest as, for the you know for one of these for a Doctor Who theme convention than one of the Doctors. They must be in demand for the fiftieth. I mean, this is in November during the fiftieth anniversary, yes. so I can't imagine these guys are easy to come by. But no, we managed no. to get our hands on one. Yeah, and and so. we're going to have the largest gathering of Daleks in Canada there. <laughs> Although we did well in keep the them on, Ottawa, keep them on your day. side of the border, all right? <laughs> I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there, and uh, I'll be the one that's stalking Peter Davison, trying to get an interview. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll all be chased on Daleks following him everywhere. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Peter Davison also appeared in in one of the. I, I don't think it was in, in the actual show. It was in the. It was in a, a, it was in a children in need right, bumper for right. uh, time a crash. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're doing a lot of these little segments between shows now that they put on YouTube, a, a on lot the of BBC them, yeah. site. Yeah. But unfortunately, in some cases, some of them are relative to the plot. Like uh, last week's episode. I hope everybody's watched last week's episode. Yeah. yeah. The the bumper thing that they put on YouTube between shows explained why the kids were in the TARDIS. That would, yeah, that would have been Because nice if I hadn't watched that, I would have sat there and go, why the hell is she showing the kids the time machine? In interesting. Yeah. I mean, not that it really messed with the plot, but it, not would have, really. it would have been a nice bit of information to have had. I think they're just yeah. cutting to, for time. Yeah, it was one of those cut scenes that were of value. Well, it, 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 I mean, there was a scene that I wish they'd left in um, at the end of The Angels in Manhattan. Um at the very end, when he read, when Rory's dad reads, ah, yes. the, reads the letter, right. and so many hardcore fans haven't seen that, and it was no. a, such a wonderful, touching moment. And it's like, yeah, I'm not sure this. I mean, I would have cut out a bit of the, you know, the, the it gets worse around than that. and included that. The reason I don't watch Doctor Who on BBC America or on the CBC is because we lose another like five, ten minutes of the show. Oh, to commercials. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. Like, so they edit down another five, ten minutes, take yep. it out of the show. So I, I, I watch the British version. Don't ask me how. Yeah, yeah. Don't ask me how. Now, under uh, under Tenet, uh, fellas, we had three different companions, all sort of with uh, all with very different relationships with the Doctor, and I thought that was a good choice to for Rose, obviously the love, Martha, the unrequited love, and Donna, the best friend relationship. Yeah, you and know, I thought and, and, I, I I thought that was really 
And I was truly well amazed. There's only two sci-fis in my whole lifetime that have ever really somewhat choked me. Uh, one was the very end of Babylon 5, the last episode mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you have never watched it, if you'd follow the series, then to me that was a choker. And the other one was yeah. uh, Rose and the Doctor on the beach. Um, right. Both highly emotional. And for a series to actually pull an emotion out of you like that, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Russell T. Davies is a bastard. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, he sets up these impossible situations, solves them in kind of a ridiculous way, a real, a real deus ex machina kind of, kind yes. of way, but then, you know, makes up for that by having the most, like, the, the most horrible things happening to people at, at the end, so that you, I mean, you know, Rose leaving and, and Martha's, you know, whole, you know, family traumatized and, you know, Donna's memory, you know, are, are just brutal, you know, <laughs> endings to just, I guess, to balance the scales. Yeah. I mean, don't, it's, it's not, you know, emotionally bland material. This, this guy yeah. Writes. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, Davis put obviously emotion over, you know, plot. Right. And oh, sometimes yes. with, totally. with Moffat, I, 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 there's an error the other way, you know, plot, over emotion sometimes. Yeah. But the nice thing about Russell C. Davis, I think he did that successfully. Exactly, exactly, yes. exactly. No, uh, absolutely. You can. I you thought that all of them. I thought I'm. A, I'm a big fan of Donna. She's. She's my favorite. Now it's just a. That's just a heartbreaking. I mean, the entire series yes. is heartbreaking when yeah, you I mean, watch it again. You, you can't think of Donna without seeing the picture of her in the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and Russell T. Davies also did spend a whole year hinting. About the bad wolf, and then we find out it's a Deus Ex Machina at the end. Mm -hmm. So I right. you know as much as I love what he did, he brought the show back. He did also introduce a lot of the last thirty seconds of the show, solve everything with a device. Yeah, <laughs> and he did bring us the magical screwdriver, which turned the Doctor, modern day Doctor, a little bit. Again, I'm gonna sound a little sore here, kind of like a Harry Potter wizard. I don't he's disagree. Always, he's always waving it now. They actually, they actually recognized that problem in the old show because there was one of Peter Davison's very early stories. Um, the screwdriver gets destroyed, um, and be, partly because Tom Baker was using it so much, and it was just an easy way for writers yeah. to solve problems. Yeah. So they just decided, right, we're getting rid of the sonic screwdriver. Um, so I don't, I don't disagree. I mean, it's 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 become part of the new show now so much. I'm not sure that. You I, can I, really yeah, do and I understand it. that because of the pace. I mean, you can't have the Doctor. Spend 20 minutes figuring how to get out of the oh, store. Definitely. Wave the wand. You know, <laughs> or, he, yeah. you know, how he used to. But it, sometimes it was fun watching Tom Baker con his way into a building. Yes. Oh, rather I, than just holding up magic paper. Completely. Although, I mean, the psychic paper did get rid of the most annoying formula, formula that old Doctor Who had, which was episode one Doctor arrives, is, you know, either not trusted or is blamed for whatever's gone wrong. You know, episode two, him get, you know, getting out of that situation. <laughs> episode three, they realize the Doctor's the good guy. Episode four, he helps them solve the problem. Right. And it was just and so was formulaic. Just, he's got the credentials. Now he's got the psychic <laughs> paper. It just starts right off on episode four, right, where he's yep. trusted and is right. there solving the problem. So that's, I, I liked that as a plot device. I thought yes. that was a good addition. But you're right. I mean, it, you overused. You start kind of, yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's almost like problems. his crutch now. Every time... Because we do understand that, that the screwdriver gives you mental images in your... Like, so he's not just looking at one light. He's seeing you know, all the things going that the screwdriver is putting into his brain, kind of like Google Glass. But, but does he have to be holding it all the time? He literally turns around corners you know, with the, the thing going. It's... Well, I think, I mean, it ran into uh, the Enterprise in that, that one episode, and they, they lend him the tricorder technology. 
I think that's really where the sonic screwdriver comes from. It's a, it's a Star Trek tricorder mixed with uh, a wand. A magic wand. <laughs> I want to see it broken bit. in the future. Yeah, magic wand. That's a great way of putting it. I hadn't like, thought of it like that before. I want to see TARDIS explode. And, and Oh, no, the portion that makes the screwdrivers is... God. <laughs> the screwdriver <laughs> production plants has been, yeah, has been destroyed. Yeah. Oh dear. So, but Tennant, yeah, uh, big, 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 big with the kids. The Tom Baker of his era, and yeah, a lot of heartbroken fans when this new guy came out. Oh, for sure, for sure. And to bring him back younger again, I even I had issues with that. Matt, Matt yeah. took a couple yeah. years for me to grow on, but. Uh, to bring him back that young, the 900-year-old mystical man is a child. Right. That was hard <laughs> to swallow. Not that Matt Smith is a bad actor, because I don't. I, I think he. I think he does a great job. He's grown excellent a lot, a lot of the time. But he's constantly having to fight against, you know, the idea that he is, you know, the super right. old, you know, alien um, who is yeah. wise beyond anything that a human will ever experience. David Tennant managed to do he, something about him managed right. to make that acceptable. Um, but when you do make the actor even younger, they now have to work even harder, even harder to overcome yes. that. And it's something that he doesn't always pull off. And I don't think it's really through any fault of his own. I think it's just, you know, the, the situations and circumstances he gets, gets put into. He, it, it just it, it needs somebody with just a little bit more weight behind them. And as, you know, and as an older guy, I, I want to see somebody, you know, <laughs> if not older than me, maybe at least, you know, kind of my age that right. I'm not, you know, that I can look up to and, oh, you know more than me. You know, when things get really, you know, heavy duty, you're going to be able to look after me because I'm, there's no way, I, me as a mere human right. is going to be able to handle the situation. I want to be able to think that of the doctor. Yeah, yeah and, you know, that figure you can look up to. Yeah, the, the, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But we, we all have our favorite doctors. <laughs> and in throughout the years, we, we live with some, we love some, and some that, you know, we could never grow with. Matt is grown into his role excellently. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's done an exceptional job. Yes, he's had a hard time with his age doing it. But in the last year, you can see him starting to pull it off more and more. He's definitely more comfortable now than, yeah. than he was at the start, which, yeah. is, which is natural. So, I mean, yeah. To me, he's an acceptable doctor and, and a good doctor. Mm -hmm. And he, he does a, a great job of throwing in some classic who. Sometimes it's very subtle, but oh, you'll this, hear him. This he year might not is, even be in a script. But he'll, yeah. he'll just do a little, you know. This year especially, I mean, you, you see the references constantly to the mm -hmm. old original series. Yes. And it's been very entertaining. That's partially Moffat as well, because yeah. he's such a right. fanboy of the old of the old show. Um, I mean, there, there have been times when I've gone back and watched old Doctor Who and realized that he's thrown stuff into new Who that I didn't even realize was like, like Captain Jack, a, a time agent. That isn't Moffat's creation. That is from um, the Talons of Wang Chiang. When I didn't even know yeah, that. Magnus, the, the bad guy there, Magnus Greel, was a fugitive from the, from the, the 50th century nice. um, and, and thought the Doctor was a time agent who had been sent back to get him. So that Brilliant. whole era that Captain Jack is from is, is pulled entirely, completely from the Talons of Wang Chiang. Right. That whole thing. And that's Moffat. It's one of Moffat's stories. Right. So he is, you know, big he, fan of the classic. Big fan yep. of the classic. But you don't need to know that to enjoy the new Who. No. It just gives right. you a, a slight kind of right. you know, warm, fuzzy feeling when you, that gets referenced. And you yeah, realize, and, oh, and, cool. and we're seeing that constantly where they are referencing for the older crowd. Yeah. You know, I remember that. I remember that, yeah. Yes. But, 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 but they, but they don't do it in a way where it gets in the way of the no, episode. No, not at all. It's just 
thrown in there. Yeah, or yeah. You don't need that knowledge to enjoy the nope. episode. Yep, and that's but it, way, and, the way you know, the way and to see the Ice Warrior come back. Exactly, is, that's it, what I was going to say. The recent one with the yes, Ice Warrior yeah. is a way of. It's a nod, but it's also an update. Yep. It's a yes. standalone story, yep. but it's also this this uh, reference. Of that 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 was one of the better examples of what you're talking well, yeah, about. Yeah, and, and we grew up with those. It. Who didn't want to see what he actually looked like? You know, so <laughs> fantastic. So, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Bad Smith era. Uh, but we're going to take a little quick break. We've been going for quite a while here, gentlemen. We need some water. I, I think so, yeah. I think, I think the folks at home need to look at some promos or Yeah, I think the Daleks need a, a <laughs> bathroom break. They need to get the bathroom break. They need to get the oil them. Don't worry, folks. <laughs> safe. Uh, I hope that holds for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Oh, he'll last long enough. <laughs> Damn near exterminated me at the top of the show. We'll be, we'll be right back. I'm not taking any audio here, so you can swear if you want. <laughs> okay. I didn't realize you had a remote control. Oh, yes. I feel less bad for not helping now. <laughs> it's quite the process, is it not? It is quite the process. <laughs> um, I've seen most Daleks that I've seen people build, they get into them like this one. Um, I've seen some far more elegant designs, though. Um, where the skirt actually either opens up on the front or the whole thing is hinged. I'm going to try and... Mark has an idea for the way we're going to be able to hinge this guy, so it's only going to take... I, I can get into it myself without needing all this extra help, because right now I can't get into this unless I've got, like, a second person to actually stack the pieces on top of me. Right. Which is fine. It's a, it's a simple way of doing it, and like I said... When you're not the one doing the stacking. When you're not the one doing the stacking, you know. <laughs> so if you, if you don't have friends who want to get, you know, some upper body strength built up, Right, so here, here comes second component. Here comes second component. Yeah, I got it. Oh. So that just drops in place like that. I've got latches on the inside to keep everything. And I'm guessing there's somewhere in there there's a can of CO2? <laughs> uh, there's a whole fire extinguisher in here, actually. Nice. I've got an entire fire extinguisher, about a 10-pound 10 pound, uh, 10 unit, um, which is under fairly high pressure. I'm just actually going to couple that to the gun right now okay so that's my dalek gun active and i got you know the arm that moves around there okay so once i'm inside i got a little this goes on top of my joystick um and this part here is actually what lets me move my head and my eye around so back and forth for the head 
up and down for the eye, and that just fits over the wheelchair controller right here. So I can do everything with one hand, move the Dalek around and move the head all with one hand. So that leaves me in this other hand free to, you know, uh, aim the gun, to do whatever else I need to do. Um, I noticed some uh, some signatures. Yeah, um, I've been very very lucky. We've got um, some we've got some signatures on our Daleks here. Um, my favorite so far is uh, John Barrowman, which is you know Captain Jack Harkness from the show, and uh, Colin Spall, who was um, in the uh, Age of Steel, the Cyberman episode. He was the evil you know henchman leader, and he was also in the original uh, series in um, Revelation of the Daleks. Well, this is kind of a revelation of the Daleks right now for some of our you know, yes, viewers because. This is uh, behind the curtain, the Wizard of Oz kind of. Behind kinda. the curtain, yeah. Well, this is yeah. also exactly how you saw it on the TV. And this is what the TV guys went for. Yeah, they didn't do much different than what I'm doing right now. Except they, they didn't have electricity. No, they didn't. They were all foot-powered. Um, I tried that initially, and I learned really fast. You never, ever want to... Okay, so this is an exact replica, but you've added... Uh, here comes the head. Yeah, I've added wheelchairs and electronics. So now that's Rob's voice before Karen, the Dalek Karen, head. So, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I sure can. Yep, so right now what I'm in the middle of doing is just putting my headset on because as you can hear, I don't sound much like a Dalek yet. But that's going to change in a second. Because now I have the Dalek voice system engaged all electronics are activated! This Dalek is now fully functional and is capable of extermination! That is brilliant. <laughs> I'm just I'm hanging on to my phone really, really tightly in case. Hang on to the camera really, really, you know, just in case I get exterminated, yeah. So on Dreadnought, I also have a signature panel and I'll, luckily I've made a couple of these so there are the signatures I've gotten so we have the Barrowman and actually we just have uh, 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 Michael here he's uh, from the Walking Dead he's one of the zombies on Walking Dead he played on the, the Living Dead as well and at Ottawa last weekend we actually allowed him to take Dreadnought out for a spin <laughs> that's brilliant so you know it's it, as we as you heard us talk about earlier we do have actors that come over to us, and, and he was so interested. He actually had a tattoo of an angel and the TARDIS on his arm. So with that, we knew he was a true Hoovian, right. and uh, we gave him the opportunity to hop in, and, and some of those videos were online. But, and he's still writing back that this was the most fantastic time he's ever had at a con, and he met his heroes. And you know, it's such a role reversal, the actor saying that for us. His fanboy behavior was exceptionally high. <laughs> and I do get into Dreadnought a little differently. I do have a trap door.
So you can actually you can hear the motors on uh, yeah, on Oric. Yes, well, you probably wouldn't be able to hear that at Comic Con. So in the original design from the actual show, would that actually be like the actor actually turning the the head, like using a some sort of handle or? Um, yeah, the and as you can hear, my voice is still modulated, but I'm no longer talking like a Dalek. Um, but on the original show, yeah, um, the actor was making. I, I, I once read an interview with one of the Dalek operators, and he said, "To operate a Dalek, you have to have three hands because you're you're trying to move the gun sticks, um, the sucker. You're trying to move the dome around. You're trying to move the eye up and down. All these things they had to do at once, and they also had to flash the lights themselves when you know whoever was doing the Dalek voice uh, was talking off camera." So there were an awful lot of things that a Dalek operator had to keep track of. So now I assume that your, your lights are actually tied into your sound system? Yes. One of the things my friend did when he built my voice modulator was he set them up so that when my voice got loud enough, the lights would actually go on. Brilliant. But of course, you know, sounding like a Dalek isn't just a question of having a voice modulator, because otherwise you do end up just sounding like some guy talking. You have to speak like a Dalek. Daleks are always very, very angry. They are always ready to exterminate. They always enunciate very clearly so that you know you are about to be exterminated. <laughs> And we're back. We're going to talk a little bit more about Matt Smith and uh, maybe the, all the shows around Doctor Who as well. Some great spinoffs. Yeah, yes. a few actually. Yeah. Starting with K9 and Company. Yes. Well, yeah, Corey, let's not say all great spinoffs. But you look at the Sarah well, Jean. The let's Sarah Jean let's work our way up. Yeah, yeah Sarah Jean Adventures, Torchwood. Um, you know, I, I love seeing Sarah Jean get new life. What an incredible feat that was! It, it was, it was, it was great. I mean, there was a, at one point we were we were watching. I think we just finished an episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures. Myself and my and my friends mm -hmm. who are Doctor Who fans been watching it for as long as I have, and we just uh, one of my friends just kind of turned to me and said, "Do you realize we're now living at a point where there are three Doctor Who related TV shows because Torchwood <laughs> was on at the same time? Yes. We had three completely related Doctor Who TV shows all. Uh, I believe are they not still working on another Torchwood on the states? Or did that I fall apart? No I, 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 they're saying that, but I don't think so. I, I don't think the last one was well well received. I know Alex Kingston and, uh, and uh, Mr. Behrman of. Yeah. Uh, Met at a party. We were talking about it the other week, and they're they're, they're totally on board to do their own spinoff. Yep, that could be interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I've I've got to say that the the Torchwood Children of Earth was just that was Phenomenal. five great hours oh, of TV or five great episodes of TV, and I guess they ran them back to back to back. You know, night and five nights yeah. in a row in England originally. Yeah, that must exactly have been now, quite I, an I event. Now I don't know if that's, that's, canon, that's some Allen's. of the best. That, I don't know if that show is is actually canon part of the Doctor Who universe because if if Children of Earth <laughs> is part of the Doctor Who universe, then the Doctor could not have died on the beach because no one on Earth could die at that time. <laughs> That's right. No, 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 Children of Earth. I think he's referring to the, the first Torchwood special. Oh, the first one. Yeah, okay, first okay, one, yeah. right. Yeah. 
And, that I mean, there's terrific. Five I thought, yeah, those those five what that 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 was a terrific story. And, and five hours of TV that I never ever want to watch again because the story was just so harsh and so dark. It, it oh, just, but it was it was it was emotional. That's oh, for sure. I mean, it was sort well of classic I mean, it, it, from it, that era. It moved me. It was a strong story, brilliantly acted. But it's just it was <laughs> it, it affected me so. I mean, I, 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 I guess yeah. Russell T. I hear you. I hear you. It's going to be a while, and it's been a couple of years since I've seen it. It's going to be another couple of years, I think, before I can bring myself oh, to really watch it again. It was just such a, such a. a, a Agreed. Yeah. I was thinking of Miracle Day. Is that the one? Miracle Day? Yes. Miracle yes. Day. So well, yeah, it was the events of Miracle Day where no one could die on Earth. That was right around the time the Doctor was wearing the cowboy hat and getting shot at. Although I, I liked both <laughs> Torchwood, um, like the miniseries, because it did illustrate how necessary the doctor was to dealing with problems like this because the, the the children of earth story where there was this huge moral moral dilemma about giving our children to save the planet right. would not even have been an issue if the doctor had been there he would have just it would have it would have been an hour-long story where he fixed it and that right. would have been the end of it but because he wasn't around suddenly we're in real right. trouble we're faced with problems that we just can't cope with and we're we're, we're led in yes. we're led down these paths that you know take us to very dark places and it's yeah, it was it was interesting. The, the, the spin-off shows have been great. I mean, Sarah Jane obviously was uh, meant as a proper children's show, but still watchable by fans. I mean, sure, I, I admit Absolutely. it. I, I oh, watched oh, every, every, every episode. Every <laughs> episode. <laughs> and, and I love the name of the computer, Mister Smith. Mr. Smith. Yeah, that was subtle. <laughs> and I, and I, so, I so wanted to see more of K9 and Mister Smith arguing with yes. each other. Yeah, it was hilarious. The answering was great. Just brilliant. So I got to ask you, you two geniuses here who who built. I don't want to give it away for all the kids, but they did build the Daleks behind us. When are you making a canine? I, I don't know. That, um, actually, that's not on our list at the moment because we do have one in Toronto. Okay. Okay, we, we are after being with the Doctor Who Society. We want to be able to bring new stuff to the conventions and this okay. and that. So we do have a, know of a fully functional canine mm -hmm. in Rexdale. So okay. uh, we do have to talk to him and see if we can bring it down for uh, a fan expo. So that's not on our list. Now, there are, a, there are quite a few things. other things that are <laughs> on our list. Now, from the, uh, now, now, there was one of those, uh, one of the Christmas episodes, the, the next Doctor, where we ended up with some huge uh, Cyberman, 50 feet tall Cyberman, sort of almost a Japanese robot sort of right. model. Now that's that should be your next project. The, the you need the Cyber uh, King. The Cyber King. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I was just waiting. I was just waiting for Godzilla to show up or Ultraman to fight that one. The, the, the Japanese, the Tokyo are, unit of Torchwood to come take that one down. They're a law unto themselves, the Christmas episodes. I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I brace myself every time one is meant to come out and just kind of, yeah, okay, that, yeah, that, yeah. that, that just happened. And then, you know, wait for Doctor Who to actually start next year. Yeah. We, we've taken it upon ourselves to never include anything we found in a Christmas episode. Um, because at the last show, there's someone saying, we should put a flying shark here. I go, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take some time. Let's, let's talk to, to Mark and Rob here uh, about uh, what you do. How, how did you get started? Um, how did, how, Rob, how did, you, how did you end up well, with a Supreme Dalek? <laughs> how did they end know, up with a Supreme Dalek? In, in your living room. Um, a, fr a friend of mine found... Um, the website that almost every Dalek builder has uh, has used called projectdalek.co.uk. 
Dot.uk and said, Rob, do you want to build a Dalek? And I said, yes. Yes, I do. Um, There's no other answer to that question. <laughs> There's no other answer to that question. <laughs> um, so um, we, we worked on that for probably about 10 months to get it looking like a doll, as you kind of see it standing here in front of you right now. Um, and at that point, he didn't really do anything. He just looked, you know, it was, it was just the shell. He was totally foot-powered. Um, you know, not, there was no no electronics or recognition or anything. It just looked like a Dalek. It, right. it looked like the props. And you know, then you just kind of I, I just kind of wanted to keep going. So then I added <laughs> um, I added the like you know, the, the way to like my friend. I asked a friend of mine in Britain who was an electrical engineer, and I said, you know, I built a Dalek. I need a voice mod, and he's like, give me a week. Um, and he said, so he sent me the. It wasn't even there were no, no questions asked. It was like you needed to sound like a Dalek. I'm right on it. <laughs> and he just, he sent me this thing. I, I, two weeks later, I had it. I sounded like a Dalek. Um, and then the question was, what do you do with this thing once you've got right. it? It just kind of sat in my living room for the longest time. And, we, and uh, somebody else um, t told me about these um, fan conventions that were going on. And the last time I was at a fan convention, it was, oh gosh, like early 90s and there probably wasn't was, much doctor who stuff no it was a time. star trek convention and i swore i would never go back to another convention because the you know like, right the, 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 the people who tended to go to these things were just not the most well washed individuals in the world yes. they're just not really my crowd we just say it's a whole different thing back it's, then. yeah a whole different thing back then but nowadays you know i showed up at fan expo in toronto which is the biggest you know, fan, you know, sort of Comic Con thing in Canada, and no, no real idea what I was going to going to find. And I, you know, we showed, I showed up in the Dalek. I was in it, and every time I went out, I was surrounded by a circle of hundreds of people taking photographs and wanting yes. to pose with it. And I just, I was shocked. I was completely shocked. I thought I'd get a few, you know, interested, you know, nods and you know, a few people wanting maybe some pictures or something like that. I had no clue that the interest in Doctor Who had gone had, had and, and, and I, such I, a, I've a seen you it. at a couple of these and, and I, I noticed that even the celebrities are yes. a lot of uh, Whovians <laughs> in, in the celebrity <laughs> and, uh, right I, I had, I had Colin no Ferguson clue. washed his sucker Colin Ferguson did yeah we were at, at a convention last <laughs> year um, I drove I, I'd, I'd since joined you know, we'd formed the Doctor Who Society so I was kind of I was now you know working with them as, as you know as sort of the Dalek in residence promoting the Doctor Who Society and uh, one, our, one of our founders you know she works in the in the TV industry and she, and she was like you know that's Colin Ferguson over there you know he his one of his shows is on space you know the Canadian like network we should you know, maybe give him a shout out, you know, and I, yeah, why not? So I drove around in the doll, like kind of saying, you know, humans are ordered to watch, you know, uh, Eureka on the Space Channel. And he, and he saw that and he was so tickled by it, he invited me back to sit with him in the booth where he was busy signing autographs right. for fans. So it was the two of <laughs> us great. sitting in this booth and yeah, he, I mean, just, you know, nattering back and forth for half an hour and he kind of, you know, he, you know, he was, you know, rubbing hand sanitizer on him and, and he said, Dalek, do you want a little bit of this? And I was like, yes. And so he like rubbed my, you know, rubbed my plunger with a hand sanitizer. And now I can't ever change that plunger because, you know, Colin Ferguson touched it. So I can't ever mess with it now. It's there for life. Um, and the response was amazing. Um, and partway through that was when um, Mark got in, in touch with me. 
Right, right. So it, my story is not that dissimilar. It's a little strange. Uh, my son, he's 15 year old. He comes up to me and it was he just finished his exams, final exams in high school, and he said, uh, "Dad, let's do something." I said, we, "We usually do one project a year." Now, at that point in time, I had a 1966 Triumph Spitfire sitting in the garage. It needs a full restoration, but it only has 20,000 miles onto it. I thought, "What a great thing for a father and son to yes. do." I said, okay, what do you want to do? He says, I want to build a Dalek. <laughs> a what? <laughs> and, and he says, well, I found this website, you know, uh, projectdalek.co.uk. And I went on and I looked and I thought, well, this is pretty fantastic. You know, this is something we can do. I do have a full workshop. I, I For a living, I build aircraft. So we have the hangar and the space and everything Does it else. Fly? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying on that one. So, Pretty version two. <laughs> so I just I said, uh, okay, well, here's the plans. We have to pick one, but you know, being who I am and the type of person I am, I don't want something anyone else has. Right. It, it has to be a little bit different, and we have the capability. So I contacted uh, two people. Uh, the first one I did is uh, I contacted MechMaster. He's a, a CGI artist in Britain, and he does actually a, a, a graphic novel, The Second Empire, which is to a civil war within the Daleks. And I said to him, I said, you know, here's what I want different. And I, it's uh, Dreadnought actually came from sketches from the 1993 30th anniversary movie, wow. Into the Dark Dimension. Tom Baker was actually supposed to come back as the doctor. And, and uh, due to production and everything else, they lost the chance for the movie. So the sketches lived on and I said to him, I said, well, let's take these sketches. I am going to do something with the arms where they do shoot. We're going to make it interactive. So I need the arms to move. And that was probably the biggest change. We move the arms out so I can rotate them right. above the heads of children, you know, yes, as a yes, safety yes. feature. A lot of exactly. it has been true to the sketches, yeah. And as you saw I, earlier. You know, I, I that extermination, I honestly, I. <laughs> I'm surprised the hat didn't fly off. There's quite a bit of how much how much power is behind that. Is, I'm, I'm assuming it's compressed air. It, it is CO2, so carbon dioxide. Uh, it's actually a very high pressure system. There is two diverters and diffusers uh, into there. We built the same into Rob's as well. But by the I noticed that he's been hanging around with you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't start out like yeah. that. Because before the show, Rob is telling me, "Well, I've got to aim my thing up." And last time I saw Rob, you didn't have compressed air, and now you're upgraded. So well, I've, I've been that upgraded. That surprised yeah. me. I, I am. So yeah, it's it's just under a thousand psi. Um, you can stand very close with the diffuser and not get hurt. The bottom two guns are fifty psi water cannons. Oh, even better. <laughs> nice. We don't use those, though, because we're indoors the majority of the time. Right, okay. So with all this, we, we got the, the not blueprints. We couldn't get blueprints. Rob had full blueprints, and every model you've ever seen on TV does have the full blueprints to it on the on the Project Dialog wow. website. So we had the sketches to work from and some rough measurements on what we wanted. And it was only, I think, a couple days after that, I found out Rob was close to me. So I searched him on the internet, got a hold of him, and we went over and saw Oric. Yep. And Oric was a great help to us, you know, on how we were going to do things. So Dreadnought, you know, I was thinking it was going to be a two-week project, turned into eight months full-time, <laughs> um, which I needed a break anyway, so it was good for me. Uh, and there he is. 
brilliant. But he is massive. And there's a lot of lights on it. How many lights are on there? There are 1,500 lights onto him. He's got wow. a full CO2 system, 50 PSI water system. He does have headlights um, because I can't see low enough, so I need headlights on him. And a uh, 600 watt sound system. Now, Professor, have you ever wondered wow. what it's like inside one of these things? Because I, I saw Rob. <laughs> no, thanks. Inside. I don't need to know. <laughs> I, I'm very claustrophobic, and I, I was like shivering watching Rob get into Auric. Oh, I can I, imagine. I'm a very flexible person, so I can, you know, I, I can kind of squeeze myself in there. But you're right. There, there's not a lot of space. It would be nice if I was a little bit smaller, smaller. or the Daleks were, you know, a little bigger, bit bigger. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> so horrible that you can't, you know, right. can't cope with it for. An hour. You, you must be stuck in them for quite a while at some of the conventions. Sometimes not stuck in them, but you're, no, no, sure yeah, you're no, I, I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, but no, sometimes, yeah, because sometimes you're just in it for a short you know, short while, but sometimes, you know, maybe we'll go out and kind of patrol the, you know, the, go around the convention, but then we'll come back and there's probably fans who want to take photographs. And, well, and the thing is, out in the conventions, if you've ever seen us there, we have an entourage. We yes. don't start with one, but we yes. sure do end with one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite I, funny. But we do always start I, with um, bodyguards, which we, we call them Dalek slaves. As, of course, we okay. do. That's, which, that's the most appropriate term for, for those guys. But um, that was one of the things that, they've, that the, all the Dalek builders on the forum said, for, the, you know, for God's sakes, do not ever go out in your Dalek without bodyguards. Right. Because people do tend to treat them the way they are on the show, which is like little miniature tanks. Um, and they figure they're a lot tougher than they actually are. Right. They don't realize it's like wood and yeah, exactly. styrofoam. Exactly. And, and they've done, I've had things, you know, a few things done. I've actually had a girl like do a flying kick at Oric once and have been hit by, uh, hit, geez, for good English. I've been hit by uh, plastic swords <laughs> and umbrellas. Kinds, umbrellas and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, right. really? And this is with bodyguard. This is with people actively trying like, to keep right. most yep. people away. <laughs> yep. you know? So, and, and they do look like tanks, but people don't realize these are our cosplay costumes. Yeah, these are right. our, our yeah. costumes. They're props. So. Exactly. So, so, exactly. So, or, or, yeah. Is made with plans from the original series. With plans, that... yes, absolutely. There, there are a lot of the guys on Project da um, Project Dalek um, have gone to great lengths to make sure that they have super accurate, super detailed plans of every single Dalek model. It's a combination of screenshots and actual, you know, getting their hands on original props and taking wow. measurements. So the plans that you find on there are as close to what's been on the show as there as it's possible to be and i was all about making it as accurate as i could because that that golden dalek there is from the very first dalek show i ever saw you know, the 1972 john pertwee day of the daleks he was the supreme dalek there was just no question that i was, was i was gonna make this one this is what's <laughs> gonna happen um <laughs> You know, Mark always the go big or go home guy had to do something you know extra special. So now we have now we have dreadnought. Well, they, you know, we can't even. I mean, the old saying the old saying is you never forget your first doctor, but in your case, you never forget your never first forget Dalek. your first Dalek. And you know that's funny you should mention. That. I actually looked for that T-shirt last week. I was like, hey, wait a minute. You know, so surely there's got to be you know out there, and nobody's done a T-shirt yet with you know, you never forget your first Dalek. So we'll have, we'll also, have to make that happen. You can also see behind me. Now, who, who's behind the Dalek Emperor? Who's oh, that was, that was, that was <laughs> as, as you had a pastor on earlier here, yes. um, we have a friend of ours in the Doctor Who Society who's also a minister, an Anglican minister. 
He walks into the hangar. We were working on the two Daleks, and as a, as a passing comment, he says, oh, the Dalek Emperor would be so cool. And then he leaves. That's all he said. Two weeks later, I started. I, I gathered several of the members together, Rob and a couple others. And within 30 days, that took us 30 days, day 30, we had him set up a Fan Expo belching smoke. Nice. He is 12 feet tall, and he's almost uh, eight and a half feet at the base. We so, kind of decapitated him yeah, here today. Yeah, we just have his head. Just his head is here today, but I'll, mm -hmm. I'll put some pictures up on the screen. Of what he, he's impressive. I saw him at the Toronto Comic Con, and he's tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is, and it's, it's neat to be able to do something and bring it back. In the 1967 TV show, uh, Doctor Who, they destroyed him at the end of the show. Wow. He up they up the flames yes, that's and right. destroyed they actually blew him. Up. No, yep. no CGI, folks. Dynamite. Yep. They, they blew up the entire set. It was quite, quite something to <laughs> yeah. see. One yeah. take. <laughs> one take, yeah. So, no second chances. Yeah, they, they made one for a... Um, uh, uh, for a play. For a play, yes. They, they did one. But he was only six feet tall. Right. And then they made another one for the 30th anniversary movie documentary. But right. he was eight feet tall. And he wasn't that long. So the one we did is a full 12 feet. He's a full-size Dalek. Wow. And he is the only one in the world. Does he speak as well? He does. Yeah. He's got, he's <laughs> like Dreadnought, he's got a 600 watt sound system. He has a fogging system in him. Um, the head does rotate on the plith, and uh, yeah, he's he's pretty neat when he's all set up. The, the kids must go nuts around these things. Oh, they do. You, you got to have a bodyguard for that for yeah. sure. Keep them away. I mean, like it, 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 your vision, yeah. your vision must be impaired. Oh yeah. yeah. And we had, <laughs> and on last weekend um, at the Ottawa Comic Con, we had, as far as we know, I mean, and I'm I, and I'm I'm perfectly happy to be corrected on, on this, but as far as we know. Um, the most Daleks ever assembled in one place in Canada. Wow. Um, because we had six Daleks all, yeah, yeah. all together. We know for a fact it's the largest in Canada, but we may have been the largest in North America. That's right. that's what we don't know okay. yet. Now, so. do you guys all coordinate through the Doctor Who Society? Is that how it works? Or that's do you just sort of... kind of how it happened, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. it's almost a two-part thing. I look after all the Daleks. So when uh, I work hand-in-hand -hand with Doctor Who Society, we are members. But the Daleks have become such a large thing, you almost have yeah. to be the separate person. So yeah. I do the arranging for the Doctor Who Society for all the conventions and, and try and coordinate. And then they look after the table and getting all the other stuff, the auxiliary stuff to help us. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So um, what's, the what's, what's coming up this year? What's next? Uh, next is Ni Niagara, I believe. Is that our next? No, Anime North. Oh, Anime North. Anime North next, next weekend. How, how many conventions do you do in the, in the, in the Well, the, yeah, we, we try really for our own sanity. And remember, these are just our hobbies. <laughs> right. You know, we, we, we do this for fun. Um, but we knew uh, last year, we knew that this year was a big commitment for us. The 50th anniversary of Doctor yeah, Who. what are you going to do? Um, you know, you have to support the Daleks in this, not just the propaganda doctor. Exactly. So we, <laughs> so we knew there was a big outlay. Uh, if we keep it to one a month, great. This year, I think we're into three a month almost. Uh, I think wow. so, yeah. 
Yeah. Not wow. Normal. Wow. Like we, it, it does start to get a little draining because you don't have any, you know, you're at work or you're a dog or you're at work. You're, so it, it is nice to get some time off occasionally. Do you, ever, do you ever confuse the two? Do you ever try to exterminate someone at work? It hasn't happened yet, but okay. I'm sure it's at some point this this year it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. We'll, we'll see how that goes down. The funniest um, part is, though, yes, in a way, because I had to yell across an audience one time. And all of a sudden, I switched to my Dalek voice. So I'm enunciating every word. You will all be here. Yeah. If you actually use the modulator, yeah. they'll be there on time. They will be there on time. Exactly. Yeah. I hear there's a question about the border. Something about a border crossing. Oh, yeah, right. And um, Daleks. Yes, yes. Um, we were invited to a convention. I feel like Jay Leno. <laughs> we were invited to a, a convention. question was written on my... Uh, yeah. Um, it, it, there was a convention in Rochester that we had, we got invited to last fall, um, and it was the first time we'd taken the Daleks outside of Canada. So we you know got everything together, you know arrived at the at the border in the evening, and of course we haul these Daleks around in Mark's uh, trailer, which is designed to carry aircraft. So it's it's quite substantial, covered in pictures of aircraft on the side. Right. Um, so, of course, the border guards, you know, first question is, you know, what's in the trailer? And Mark gave the best answer I, I, I could ever have thought of, which was our costumes. And they were like, what? <laughs> we're going to a, a, a Doctor Who convention, the trailer has our costumes in it. And the border guard okay. was like, yeah, open that up, please. Like, okay. <laughs> so we go around, and of course we open up the door. In retrospect, that may not have been the best answer ever. <laughs> no, it, it really was, because instead of getting the piece of paper saying, go over there, it says, get out of your vehicle and open this up. <laughs> so we open the doors up, and the customs officer kind of looks in. And he looks at us. Now remember, there is no one in line behind us at this border. Not not a, not a person. We're, it was late. It was fairly late at night. Right. We're the only, more or less, the only ones there. And he looks in, and he looks at us. And he kind of looks in and looks at us and looks in again, and then looks over at his colleagues and goes, "Guys, come on over here. You got to see this." <laughs> the booths start emptying so out. Every border guard starts coming over to. to and to they closed the out. lanes. And they closed all the lanes down. So at the end, we had. You know, half a dozen of the border guards looking in this thing, kind of walking around them, checking them out, and the line of traffic at the border is getting longer <laughs> and longer and longer. And then eventually the guard goes, "Okay, I guess we got to actually, you know, finish this up." Uh, is there anybody in these? And we're like, uh, "No, of course." Can you open them up for us? Yes, of course. We're not, you know, smuggling, you know, Canadian immigrants or anything like that into, you know, into the states. Um, you know, so they open them up, they check them out, and go, "That's great, guys. Thanks a lot." And then we drive away. And by that point, the traffic had, you know, nice. they, they had a backlog to deal with. But that was our that was our experience going through. So we kept those guys. You know, that was obviously the highlight of their evening. If big hit at the border, big yeah. hit at the border. Yeah. So yeah, if you're if you're trying to cheer up, I mean, to be, I mean. To be fair, the Daleks do consider themselves weapons of mass destruction. They, they do. do. So yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. They would be disappointed if they were just waved on through. Yeah, they, yeah. they do want yeah. a little bit of respect, right? And, yes. and, of course, as soon as you open up the back slider door from the trailer, the guns are pointing at the guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is that plunger loaded, yeah. sir? Exactly. <laughs> but that wasn't the only time we had border fun. Uh-oh. Once again, remember, I'm at an airport, so I have my hangar where I build aircraft for customers. And Alex. And, and, and Alex, yep, yep. It's a nice big space. Well, 
I had undergone some serious issues with my electrical with the dreadnought. I had gone through this was my fourth set of batteries I'd put in. It has been corrected. We found out what the issue was. We were drawing from just one battery. You have to draw equally on these things. It's an electric wheelchair inside. So I just put them in and it got late. So it was dark out. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go test these. And I can go from one end of the airport right over to the other side. So I get in, off I go. I don't think I made it 100 feet when all of a sudden, poof, all the trucks show up from the airport. Wow. The guys are saying, what are you doing? That's a Dalek. I said, yep, yep. He said, hold on. And he gets on the phone. (laughs) He comes off, he says, can you make it over to the terminal? I said, well, yeah, you know, it's, that's where I was heading anyways for a test. We'll see you there. Okay, this is kind of going a different way than I thought, but okay, so I trundled over to the, to the terminal. Because you, you can, I'll explain to folks, you can operate it from outside. Oh, I can, but I am inside well, you're it. You're actually still And in I'm it. talking like a dialogue. Oh, okay, that's even they, better. They don't even know I'm a member of this I airport you were, like, yet. you like walking behind no, them with I'm, I'm in them, having a great time, playing music. And I get to there, and the guy says, come on in. So I go into the terminal, and all of a sudden the border uh, guards come out, and they look at me. They say... We have a plane coming in from the States. I said, oh, okay. Over here. So I trundle over. When people are coming in, they have to actually get down the stairs off the airplane. It's not a big airport. When they come in, they have to walk into the doorway this way and then do a 90 degree turn and they're faced with dreadnought. Nice. <laughs> so I was their port of entry. And the first thing I'm saying is, do you have anything to declare? <laughs> Canadian uh, security is quite serious. <laughs> so, you know, I got all the Americans in and everything else. And I had a great time. But just the look on their face when they turned the corner, one lady dropped her bag. And it was it was quite funny. So when, they were, when they're getting home from their, their trip, and he's like, hey, honey, you thought our border security was tough. You should see what the Canadians have. That's right. That is brilliant. Do you have anything to declare? I declare I'm terrified. (laughs) I did hear that one, actually. Fresh Al, we're definitely having these guys back on the show. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, this has been a lot lot of fun, everybody. We lost the Padre. We are recording... uh, just what is it, minutes, hours before the name of the doctor? Yes. Our last episode until the fiftieth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we got big things coming this fall. That's uh, no no spoilers. Not if, if if you've been looking at spoilers online, I don't want anyone to use spoilers. But, but no, yeah, yeah, let's, I, let's I speculate. Don't, yeah, I don't look online for spoilers, and I'm not privy to any inside information. So anything I may I, say, I gotta could say, be I was spoiled wrong. I do go to the BBC website, and they spoiled some of the stuff for. I hate that. I I mean, (laughs) that should be a safe, comfortable website to go to. Yeah, you'd you'd think. I just, yeah, yeah, I don't like when they're so scared. Well, they did mess up. Was it it Amazon that delivered some of the DVDs too early? So there are people who've received the Season 7 DVDs already before the show was aired? Professor, if Amazon shipped, supposedly shipped those DVDs, it would be online uh, a week ago. Uh, I think this is... That's Stephen Wright's little 
way of getting a couple million dollars worth of free publicity. Oh, he does play the game. I mean, Moffat mm. is a master playing this type of game. <laughs> yeah. I think Moffat... Here's my predictions. I think Moffat would be smart enough to keep a regeneration under his hat. Possibly. The trouble with that is that when they go around looking for new actors, it's hard. That's that's what's, that's hard, what's hard to yeah to keep, keep a, yeah keep quiet about. So because yeah, if you get seven guys that all say no, now there's seven people that yeah that no that no, and they might right. they might leak. Yeah. So it, but it's possible. I mean, they, you know, if they want to go, if they plan on you know having a, a year's hiatus, you know, they're gonna right. they're gonna get rid. You know, they know Matt Smith is leaving, but oh. they haven't yet decided you know who right. they're gonna get to replace it. That couldn't. That's a definite possibility. The, the, you, all you do is you end with him regenerating, but you don't see who he regenerates into. into. So if they wanted to maybe do it like that, hey, you know that, yeah. that would that yeah. would work. I think you'll see Matt Smith and Moffat go at the same time. Hmm. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Possibly. Yeah, I think that's like yeah. Russell. What are you doing? Come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to to the name of the doctor. At the same time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big break between now and November. No more Doctor Who. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. It's tough. When it's but at least we know it's coming back in the fall. It's not like we have a one or two year hiatus and maybe we'll get a movie. But yeah, yeah it, there are huge things coming this fall. Now, now I'm told that the, the 50th anniversary episode is going to be an hour long or more, filmed in 3D, shown in theaters. That's what uh, BBC says. Yes. 3D. They have. Shown in theaters in the UK. Okay. We know that. Okay. But how will we watch it in 3D? Does anyone own a 3D television? We, we won't, and we'll be grateful for that fact. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Man. Well, oh, but also... when that Dalek stalk comes at you, and you want that in 3D. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's the only reason I watched Doctor Who. You know, all my life hoping for that, you know, that the 3D right. technology would finally make its way. Yeah, to... yeah. You oh, want to be gosh. Susan in the very first episode that's as the pleasure well, comes at I, you. I like the yeah. fact that, of hearing that it's going to be in theaters. I mean... Uh, that is kind of cool. That is, it's, yeah, that is kind of cool. It's got to be a great way to watch uh, the yeah, 50th. That's got That's something. That's it, a big deal. It really yeah. would I mean, be, be nice. Great. But... Like I said, the Doctor Who fandom is so great. It would be it would be great to watch that with, with a crowd. Yeah, there, there's some, yeah, actually crowd some theaters of in, in England that uh, do show it weekly. So they, they actually put it up on the screen, 1080p, and charge yeah. you a fiver to get in. Very cool. Very, very cool. Yep, yeah. It'll uh, happen Unfortunately, well, we won't see that here, I don't <laughs> think. I mean, it, it, is, it is firmly rooted in British history now. And yeah. it, it just doesn't have that. Now, although it is exponentially growing in North America, it doesn't have the roots that it does in Britain. Yeah. So right. we, we do enjoy it. We, we, we benefit from the growing people because it's just more production for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I am finding at the conventions and just the general population in general, like, there's been a, a lot of new fans have come on board in, in North America. Oh, huge. Based huge. on the number of people who point sonic screwdrivers at us each time we go out. Oh, right. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. I walked through a whole freaking uh, Comic-Con. I had buzzing bees behind yeah, me. You can't hear anything I, going on yeah, from the sound yeah. of the screwdriver. I, in the procession of dialects, I'm always the tail. And, of course, that's where the procession yeah. of people are following us. Right. And I, I turned my head one time, and I can just barely see a back past my backpack we must have had 30 people you know it's just well we're gonna get them <laughs> that's brilliant so things are looking good for doctor who yeah hopefully they don't kill yeah. him off in the 50th that would be nice might yeah. happen 
Just it, saying. It, it might. It might. You know, it's uh, <laughs> Matt Smith has had a good run. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it might be time for. Yeah, really, really hard to say. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, he's, it's been, I, I just realized the other day, it's been three years. Since yeah, it has. Since he started. That's a doctor. pretty good run that's, nowadays for, you know, for an actor. Historically, that's about the average run. That's about right. Yeah, it is. And when you look at, especially at the, at the conventions, I mean, we're going to a lot of conventions. I have never seen so much represented. Uh, Doctor Who is represented more at the conventions than any other cosplay. Yeah, I'm just because really surprised. It takes a leather yes. jacket. It, yes, it takes a, a plaid shirt. A fez. A fez. Yeah, there's, 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 there's so many to choose from, right? There's so much yeah. cosplay you yeah. can yeah. do. Yeah. There's so much cosplay. And some people mix them. It's, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. So it, it's, we're looking and, forward. Doctor Who going crazy in North America. Absolutely. I mean, uh, things can only get better. Unless Moffat kills him off in the yeah. I mean, kills him off. Yeah, there, there are, and, and you know, BBC America is all of the regeneration. Yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. No, no, it's gonna be a little false thing, but the, he'll be back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, big plans for the fall. Uh, BBC America is getting involved quite heavily. Um, in fact, they've contacted us already, so we'll we'll see what happens in the fall with that. Um, the expos are contacting us left, right, and center. And a lot of the small ones too, so we'll try and get out to as much as we can. Mm-hmm. It's a good year to be a Doctor Who yeah, fan. Yeah, please, please make your you know way out to as many of these conventions as possible, and we will always exterminate as many humans as possible. <laughs> so you know, you, you you could potentially be exterminated by a Dalek if that's been your lifelong goal for you know who knows how long. We can accommodate you. Awesome, it was awesome. Hey, we're coming to that time where we we do this. Is it playing? It's not playing. When we do this, screw the music. It's coming that time of the show. We, we should exit on the Dalek theme music. We, we should exit. We're going to exit on some Dalek theme music. You know, we usually play the lullaby. Uh, I'm not going to do that today. Uh, we'll, we'll end it off the show today with the Dalek relaxation tape, just for the hell of it. See you next week, folks. Stay out of trouble. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you so much, Professor Allen. We'll see you next week. Welcome to Dalek Relaxation for Humans. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Now exhale through your mouth softly. Focus on slowing down your breathing into a calm rhythm. Inhale, you are becoming more and more calm. Exhale, you are feeling more and more relaxed. Inhale, calm. Exhale, relaxed. Inhale, calm. Exhale, relaxed. Inhale, calm. Exhale. to breathe slowly and calmly. The aches and stresses of daily life are floating away. Your tension has been